Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. When we talk about the good weather and everything, maybe that's one of the reasons why Cork is the number one choice at the moment for people staycationing in Ireland. Uh, research out yesterday from AIB Bank said that uh, Cork's number one, particularly for Dublin people. It's their top choice for a staycation, Cork, while the people of Cork apparently prefer to visit Kerry on their holidays. Kerry was a close second to Cork. So, uh, we really have jumped ahead of many, many counties this year because of staycationing. And that's got to be good. And in, in many ways, it's good economically for people involved in the tourist business and indeed catering to tourists. Mind you, some of our tourist attractions are closed and had to close. You're talking about Spike and Fota are closed because of Ellen crashing into Cork uh, overnight. It's a front pager making the echo, but the echo and the examiner actually go chapter and verse, particularly on Cork, but they look at uh, further east as well, along to Waterford and Wexford. The Midlands got a bit of a hammering too. But up the west, you know, from Kerry upwards, they, um, I think it was kind of expected though, wasn't it, that it would make land uh, in County Cork and it did in Skibbereen took an awful bait and more on that in a few minutes time so campsites abandoned as Storm Ellen hit the south coast a story from the examiner this morning uh, the red tops also talk of it in quite some detail Ellen high water is the front pager in this morning's star uh, wild weather batters the county um, they talk about it in detail with lots of graphic and fairly spectacular photographs from piers uh, and promenades as the waves crashed ashore in different areas. Uh, was it the worst storm in recent years? Um, no. Um, well, I suppose the worst we've had in a couple of years, but nothing like Ophelia in 2017 or Hurricane Charlie in 1986 or even Hurricane Debbie back in 1961. But uh, statistically, it was the third worst. Uh, it was just behind two called Ophelia and Darwin and then Ellen from yesterday. We're forearmed an awful lot more now with modern technology, whereas back in the day, you know, certainly with regards to Charlie, we didn't have uh, any kind of uh, predictions like uh, like it's available now. But this story that makes this morning's uh, what papers that the mirror, the front of the mirror uses a cork term. It's not cliffhanger, it's cliff langer. A photograph of a tent pitched yards away from the edge of the cliffs of Moher as Storm Ellen battered uh, Ireland. It was spotted on the beauty spot yesterday, right on the cliff yesterday afternoon. Now, they may have abandoned it there uh, or they may have got sense at some stage and taken it down and legged it. Um, I don't know what the update is regarding that tent, whether it survived Ellen or whether it was left there or not, but making the papers uh, nonetheless. There are other stories that are weather-related, and one is a kind of a funny one, because in the uh, weather reports last night on uh, television, you may have seen a graphic um, that uh, said, Country Cork, as opposed to County Cork. So the rebel county finally got its freedom. Free at last, as they say. Uh, a republic at last. I posted that on my Instagram page last night with a, a photograph of the graphic and people found it very funny. I thought it was maybe the lighter side uh, of uh, Storm uh, Ellen from overnight. Um, COVID is back in the papers today. If you didn't re- need reminding, both the Mirror and the Irish Times this morning remind us uh, that a thousand people, one thousand people died in uh, nursing homes and residential care since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, And there's been a big wake-up call for change at homes. You would think that all of those changes would happen, but they haven't. Saw one of the recommendations yesterday uh, saying that staff shouldn't be working between different nursing homes, going from one to the next. Apparently, in some scenarios, that still happens. But we are talking about a thousand elderly residents died since the start of COVID-19. I mean, that 
Uh, I mean, it's just incredible, really. And and then they say there's no need for a public inquiry or no need for an investigation. A lot of the confusion then regarding uh, the stepping back of, of restrictions from, um, you know, earlier in the week, make the papers today. Like the Star talks about working from home, but kids can go to school. Don't take public transport, but it's okay for sk- kids to take the bus. Uh, no large family dinners at home, but it's okay to go to a pub for a meal. And no fans at sports matches, but it's okay to watch a match in the pub. The elderly can enjoy a staycation, but not in a hotel. Um, only 15 people at outdoors gatherings, but 50 allowed inside a church. Those kind of confusing uh, messages. And many of the papers talk of confusion. In fact, um, I see in the papers this morning, the Echo carries this, uh, that uh, Professor Jerry Killeen is saying uh, that it's too soon to reopen schools uh, later this month. Uh, he's warning about those, so I wonder whether we'll rue the day. Publicans pretty much feel that um, they don't really believe that they're going to get to open by the end of the month, and that's a story from The Echo today. But what about that Irish dad? This father filmed his youngster, his eight-year-old son, driving in Spain behind the wheel of the car at 122 kilometres an hour. Clip shared online, and the father speaks clearly with an Irish accent, where he says, no messing around with him, boys, eight years of age and driving in the middle of Spain. Yeah, driving in the middle of Spain at 122 kilometres an hour. What an idiot. And then there's a very spooky story. Do you ever wonder about um, being buried alive? I know it's an awful spooky thing. That's why they put little bells. Yeah, you're grand. That's why they put little bells um, above, um, you know, graves way back in the day. Saved by the bell is that term, actually. But this granny, apparently, in Russia, they thought that she had died. She spent a night in the morgue, um, and uh, she was taken there at 1.10 in the morning. And when they came back into work at 8 a.m. in the morning, they found that she was no longer on top of the gurney, but she was down on the ground, alive. Alive! Apparently, she slipped and fell as she was trying to get off the gurney. Back from the dead. I mean, it makes you sit up and think, doesn't it? Um, also, the papers today tell us that uh, if you want to reach your legal, or sorry, not legal, what am I talking about? Your recommended drink limit on a weekly basis in Ireland, you can now do it for a fiver. Alcohol is so cheap now that women can put themselves at risk for less than a fiver. And for a man, you will reach your, re- your recommended limit for eight euro. Uh, that's 17 drinks in Ireland would cost you seven Euro sixty-five cent. That's I suppose when they say drinks, they're talking about units, and a unit would probably be like a glass of beer, wouldn't it? And if you didn't need reminding, the blonde one from the ABBA, particularly the Dancing Queen, the greatest dance song ever. They have the top ten dance floor fillers, and I agree with a lot of them from my days jocking because there was a few that could uh, could save a flagging evening. Dancing Queen was amongst them. That comes in at number one. Come on, Eileen by Dexys comes in at number two. It's raining men by the Weather Girls. A floor filler every time comes in at number three. Happy from Farrell Williams at four. And I want to dance with somebody by Whitney at five. There are others. Six is Sweet Caroline. Seven is Don't Stop Me Now. Eight is Crazy in Love by Beyonce. Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. I have no idea how Bohemian Rhapsody would fill a dance floor. Because half of it is a clinger and half of it is a fast song. Summer of 69 comes in at 10. And speaking of numbers then, uh, Apple has become the first company in the world that has now passed the $2 trillion mark. 
that's because you have to change your Apple phone every six, every six, 12, 18 months, don't you? That's the reason why. I mean, if Apple were making phones that lasted, like in the old days, 10 years, they'd be far from two trillion. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco. Save time and shop online. Simply log on to tesco.ie. Okay, text 0868104106 with your weather-related stories. Uh, last week, of course, it was poor old Ross Carberry got hammered with floods and all sorts of problems like that. Uh, yesterday, it was Skibberine. Uh, Nal Toomey is the civil defence officer for the Cork, West Cork area. I believe he was based in Skib uh, overnight. He joined yesterday and, he over, and overnight and joins me by phone. Nal, good morning. Uh, good morning, Eve. And thank you for stopping everything to take my call. How bad was it? I mean, still that we've seen the videos of flooding right down the main streets. Yeah, it, it was um, obviously the, the the Storm Ellen event last night. Um, it would have been a combination of very high winds and uh, very heavy volumes of rain. And what happened in Skibbereen was where the 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 high grounds to the southwest of the town, uh, the runoff uh, from there would have formed a kind of a flash flood yeah. um, in the area of Russell Road and Bridge Street, uh, which for your listeners would be the, the street where the Eldon Hotel is. All right. Um, and the water rose there fairly rapidly. How fast? Um, How fast did they get high so you could almost paddle a canoe down it? Yeah, it, it would have been up to four feet um, in some areas, probably between two and four feet um, along that area there um, in the area of Bridge Street. Um, so again, it would have been a kind of a flash flood event. Um, a Cork County Fire Service uh, would have been would have been uh, first to respond there. The station officer would be Des Quinn, um, and they would have requested assistance then, or additional personnel from Cork West Civil Defence, and there would have been two uh, swift water responder teams deployed there as well. So overall, you would have about 20 personnel between Fire Service and Civil Defence uh, working in Skibbereen there last night. Okay, well, I think Ellen made land in County Cork, didn't it? So it came in from West Cork and up along Roaches Point, clocked 143 kilometres an hour at the peak of the storm. Um, would you got kind of similar winds to that last night? Um, I would say that the, the storm was was initially tracking uh, to come ashore in the area of kind of Baltimore and that there, but I think probably at the last minute it would have veered a bit um, towards the the east. Um, so I would say the area of Roaches Point um, and and Crosshaven yeah. and that area there probably bore the brunt of it. Yeah. Um, all winds, I would say, in West Cork would estimate it between maybe 100 and maybe 120 um, kilometre bursts. Wow, that's still very, very strong. And did anybody have to be rescued because of that flooding in the waterline? Uh, no, thankfully. Um, that it was, uh, we were trying to mitigate um, damage to business and, and to residents in the area there. Um, so, again, a lot of our work would have been operation of flood pumps to discharge flood waters and the deployment of sandbags to, to residents um, in, in the Bridge Street area and on the Cork Road area in that there as well. But thankfully, there was nobody that needed to be evacuated. Okay, have you any idea, I don't know whether you do or not, but we're hearing an awful lot of power outages. I think nationally we're looking at something like 200,000 people and of that, forty thousand of them are Cork. Um, again, I would I would estimate I wouldn't have the the, the full picture on that, uh, but I would say that 
probably your larger urban areas in the east of the county uh, would probably be making up the most of those numbers there. I'm going to get. I don't. I don't think ourselves here in West Cork would have taken the um, uh, the where the storm came ashore. I don't think the strongest winds were were in this area, and and so the the the, the power um, availability wouldn't have been affected. Wouldn't have been an issue. But for businesses, though, um, is there flood damage now? I mean, has has the water receded? Yeah, and uh, we would we would have started. We would have called in around ten p.m. last night, um, and it would have been about three hours' work uh, with those teams, with the fire service crews plus the the civil defence swiftwater teams. Uh, by one a.m., um, the the job would have been done. You know that, that the flood waters would have been discharged by flood pumps, um, and again with with um, with personnel confirming that you know there was no further taskings and the the operation would have been stood down by one a.m. and it it was it was unusual really because this flooding wasn't caused by the the, the island river it was as I said it was caused by this kind of flash flood that would have come from the high ground. Um, and channeled down through uh, Rossa Road and Bridge Street in Skibbery. That's amazing when you describe it like that. So would you think that businesses are assessing flood damage now? Yes. Um, uh, the, As the if things weren't bad though. enough for them. I know, I know. Um, and it's again, it's, it's just a very, very unusual phenomenon that um, in, in August uh, that you have these very, very, you know, uh, heavy downpours, downpours localised uh, downpours, and it's the volume of rain that, that causes the problem. We saw it in Ross Carberry um, last week and that there as well. If you get that volume of rain in a small geographical area, and in, in, in West Cork, then, uh, what you have are flash rivers, so that they rise very quickly, but they also drop very quickly as well. If you get a high volume of water into those areas, that's what causes the problem. Okay, you did good work last night. Well done to all of you. Thanks for taking the call, Niall. I do appreciate it. Niall Toomey, Civil Defence Officer for Cork West. Let's head east now. Uh, Eddie English from Sale Cork actually was out in it uh, last night at one stage, and I think they got absolutely hammered down the harbour. Eddie, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Uh, and uh, it was at it was at Roach's Point that clocked the highest speed, one hundred and forty-three kilometres, right? I'm I'm not too sure whether anybody else clocked any higher than that, but yeah, certainly there was seventy, nearly seventy-five knots, which is the same thing, which is force, which is hurricane force. It was gusting hurricane force last night, and well, it started off. We were out yesterday. We had. Our sailing school in full operation yesterday, and it was a rather pleasant afternoon. And um, we came off the water about six o'clock, and the wind had changed from the north into the southeast at that stage, and uh, began to freshen a little bit. Uh, but as it began to get dark, um, I suppose from eight o'clock onwards, um, the wind went into the east and increased in strength, and all of a sudden we had a full gale from the east. And um, you could see this. It was no ordinary gale. And um, we heard that it was sweeping along the front of Cove and up to White Point to the west of the town where the marina is. And, and that it, marina got hammered, right? Oh, it got absolutely hammered, Neil. You see, it's it's open to the east. Um, White Point is a little spur of land going from north to south to the west of the town of Cove, almost a mile to the west of the town centre in Cove. Yeah. And if you look to the east of that, um, the first point of land is Saline Creek, which is uh, five miles to the east. And the land further east to that 
goes towards Tyne and Ballycotton and it's low-lying land. So it was completely open, not no no shelter at all. Were boats damaged? Yes, they, there was some some really bad damage. Unfortunately, there's one boat um, which arrived from Dublin yesterday and berthed in the Marina and Cove as to why he berthed there. God love, I don't know. But anyway, she she broke loose and she went around this sort of pool in the middle of the marina, bouncing off everything and damaging everything before. There was a sudden wind change last night at about half ten. Uh, the wind went from the easterly storm force winds to the southwest and that unwedged her from the western part of the marina and she broke loose and went to the eastern part of the marina where she continued banging and clanging and Amazing. eventually wedged herself in the corner of the marina and uh, the sound of fiberglass being crunched by by concrete was awful. And Did you witness uh, that? Because you, you, there's nothing I you did, can yeah. do, sure there's not. Oh, God, no, there was nothing we could do to be very unsafe to try and do anything. Now, at that stage, there was another bigger yacht, um, 50-odd feet, up on the beach in White Point. And if there's any good news, it's good news that she was refloated this morning and brought to the safety of the naval basin. So at least that's good news. But there's a number of small boats, very badly damaged, and the marina itself is in, in, in tatters. It's closed now on the advice of the Coast Guard. Um, so members who've got boats in there have to um, have, have, have to um, mm. get special permission to go near the place. Mm. But you couldn't have got in there last night. And the bridge that goes from the shore um, onto, onto the pontoons is damaged anyway. And then the pontoons are all connected by a series of bridges and all those bridges are gone. Oh my God. So it's going to cost... I, like, I'm looking out the window now, Neil, I can see it and I can see the pontoons floating and I can see that there's less boats than normal. Now, I haven't been out there yet this morning. So that's hundreds of thousands of euro worth of damage then, yeah? Sorry? That's hundreds of thousands of euro worth of oh, damage. I would reckon. So I would reckon. So and the problem is it's not over yet. And did Monkstown uh, survive at the pontoon there? I got reports that there were damaged boats there also. I don't know. I haven't been on any of the lads yet. Neil, my next concern is, is East Ferry, where we're based. Um, we we have a lot of boats on the water. Now, we carefully put extra lines on them. And the thing about East Ferry is we've had gales from the south and from the east and from everywhere before. East Ferry Marina is there since 1980. Um, but the marina in Cove is only a couple of months old. And, uh, you know, this was the first test of an easterly. And unfortunately, it had... Disastrous results. No, no reports of caravan or camping parks or anything like that. I know I read in the Echo this morning of an airborne trampoline, for instance, but I'm not hearing anything about. I think they closed a lot of the parks, didn't they? Well, there's no caravan parks in the area here in Cove. You've got the mobile home park, and they were all okay last night. Um, but there's another small pontoon at the Keys Bar in Cove, and I think there was some damage there as well. The Port of Cork have a floating pontoon, and that that was fine. That was okay. Um, there's only one vessel out in the harbour, a naval vessel, which came in and looked at trying to go alongside at the naval basin, but uh, decided it was safer to go to anchor, and she's an anchor now. But the wind has gone into the south, and there's thunder and lightning here at the moment now, and uh, pouring, pouring rain. Amazing. But one at least, Eddie, at least, at least everyone is safe. 
Well, we've heard of nobody nobody being hurt, but people are being careful. Like, there were trees down last night on the island here. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I was dead when I got home last night because we were indoors because we'd, we'd been pa- passing some falling branches and everything else, but there's a number of trees down blocking roads. As to whether they're cleared or not this morning, I don't know. I'm going to but do an update is, on all that kind of stuff now. Yeah, but, Neil, we're, we're, we're worried that's... that's southerly breeze would freshen and you know it could cause more damage later on today or tonight but the worst has passed though yeah sorry Neil the the worst has definitely passed well it's very unusual that we would get the wind that strong from that direction and the, 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 the part of the storm that had the most ferocity kind of came up along the coast here um you're the, the man from the Coast Guard there was saying that initially it wasn't too bad in West Cork and it wasn't. It was blowing 50 knots here when it was blowing only about 7 knots at the Fastnet Rock but then the wind increased at the Fastnet and West Cork got a hammering then uh, after we got. But the, the big thing about what happened in Cove last night was the easterly in it which is rather unusual to have a wind from the east with, with that ferocity and um, just warning people to stay careful. We obviously, yesterday we announced that we were closing for the day today and suspending all courses oh, yeah. Um, yeah. at Sail Corp. We had powerboat courses, dinghy sailing courses. I'm running an instructor course at the moment, uh, adventure courses, the whole lot. And it's the last week of courses before they, well, hopefully go back to school. So we, 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 we closed everything and we're, now about to begin a round of inspection to make sure that everything is safe right. and we're going to do so in a safe manner. I'll let you get on with it. Thanks for taking time to stop by. Appreciate it as always. Uh, Eddie English from Sail Cork Cove and the East got absolutely hammered. That that massive track of wind and rain actually is way above off the north of Scotland now and there is some rain and some strong winds still coming in from the from the southwest but nothing, you know, nothing in the tracker that I'm looking at. Uh, that's anyway like what we had last night. But what kind of damage and what were the consequences of all this? Emma Hill's been looking at it this morning and she joins me in studio. Over to you. Take it away. Uh, you're starting with, with power outages, I believe, right? Yes, so 194,000 homes, farms and businesses are without power across the country this morning. Now, that's a massive number and a lot of damage has been done as well because of Storm Ellen. And 30,000 premises are without power in Cork and obviously that number could increase when people are up and about and they kind of realise the power is gone. So the ESB are working on that and getting everyone reconnected as soon as it's safe to do so. OK, what about roads, though, and trees down? Because there seems to be a lot of reports from Cork County Council. Yeah, so the officials have said that they had over 50 reports of fallen trees all across Cork. I'm going to change your mic there, girl, because that one is just um, not working for me. So try the other one. 50 trees, you said? Yeah, over 50 trees were reported uh, that had fallen down. And just then on the roads and routes that have been impacted as well. So... The council have said that N22 east of Lasarda, N25 at Lakeview roundabout Middleton, N72 west of Fermoy, or 624 at Fota, or 612 between Cargilline and Crosshaven, and or 586 west of Ballymun. What about them? Have they all trees on them? Yeah, they've been impacted with trees and fallen branches, and I, I assume they'll all be kind of cleared up as the morning goes on. Okay, Lasarda, the, yeah. the roundabout Middleton, 
uh, one of the main roads to Fomoy, Fota, Carrigaline, Crosshaven, Ballinine. I dealt with the Skibbereen flooding already, so thank you very much on that one. Um, also the different pontoons and um, issues involving marinas around the place. Um, what about the city, though? Uh, were there, I mean, I see an awful lot of twigs leaves, branches. That's very dangerous for traffic, particularly when it's raining. You could have a skid. Yeah, lots of trees on the road, even on the way to work this morning. You could see the kind of damage that has been left behind. And even there was a tree uprooted last night I saw on Twitter in Ballyfihan. And it just it just looked crazy, to be honest. And a sign also came down at Caustic Coffee in Turner's Cross as well. So a lot of kind of damage around the city as well. Even where I was last night, the wind was just crazy. Irish Rail, Bus Aaron, what are they at? So they have delays this morning and diversions all around the city and suburban services this morning. And Irish Rail are also reporting delays to their train services around the country because of power falls. We avoided, um, we avoided flooding, didn't we? We did. Like, even though we mentioned Skibbereen, that was badly hit. Yeah, I'm talking about the city, control. though. Yeah, no, the city seemed to be fine. We got kind of out of the worst of it, I suppose, as well, even though the winds were quite high and a lot of rainfall as well. And there's an additional list that you have from uh, City Council of impassable roads. Are they ones that have water on them or tree or debris? You know the one, Ballygarvin to Cargilline, the Rochestown Road by the Rochestown Park Hotel, those ones? Yeah, a lot of damage have has been done on those roads, but I know that the council and all the networks are working to get them cleared up and as Lana mentioned some of them on the air already they're all up on Red FM and that's Rochestown Road that is kind of blocked by the hotel the Kinsale Road the Lee Road the Cargrahan Road straight to Lee Man Cross just to name a few of them there um no, go I ahead. I mean, all, Inniscar- the, yeah, so yeah, the Inniscarabon and colleague, the Waterfall Road, Bishopstown side of Waterfall, Waterfall Village, the old Blarney Road at Gate- by Gateway Business Park, uh, Matthew Hill is also impassable. Fountain Stand to Crosshaven yeah, Road, Calumny to Aherla, Passage to so Monkstown. There's quite a number of them that are affected, all right. Okay, okay. And also, Gardy from Moy are reporting hugely impact issues with storms, secondary roads and back roads blocked. Uh, I suppose only necessary travel really today, I guess, isn't it? I'd, I'd say so, and a lot of caution as well on the roads if you're out and about just to take it handy and be safe because the rain is still pretty bad. And the wind well. is still yeah. up there. Fair play. Thanks, Emma. Thanks for putting that work in. Do appreciate it. Madeline Whelan uh, worked in Debenhams for 30 years. They have been protesting day and night. They were doing shift work. Uh, yesterday, even through this storm. Madeline, good morning. Morning, Eve. Why, considering the weather? Because because it's 24 hours a day, Neil. How bad did it get for you guys? Um, I left earlier, but um, early in the night, but um, Valerie Conlon was there with two other of our picketers, Trevor and Michelle, and at about 10 o'clock it got bad because the car started swaying when, where we are down on the lane there in Parnell Place. Yeah. And then Valerie got a message from a friend of hers that had seen her post on Facebook, who's a guard, and he said to her, Val, please go home and send them home. It's too dangerous. No, the picketers really didn't want to stand down. I have to say, we literally had to beg them in the angels to go home because they stayed until about 10 to 11, and because we were afraid of ourselves. It was absolutely blowing a gale yeah. at 11 rocketing. o'clock. Yeah, rocketing. And was the, was the worry that, did I read somewhere that you were worried because the shutters were up? And you were afraid an opportunity. Explain that to me. The shutter on the lane in Parnell Place is the back entrance to the store. And the shutter had never come down last night fully because, obviously, because of the electricity, they were afraid it was going to go for Super Value and Marks and Spencers. 
but the truck was there that the trucks could have gone in. That they could have used that opportunity to get out yeah. stock and, and cash and things, is it? Oh, we wouldn't have put it past them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have been an ideal opportunity for them to do so it. So you couldn't take that risk in spite of Storm Ellen? No, no, no. Strikes go on 24 hours a day, no matter what's happening in the work. That's incredible dedication. Didn't you move the strike to an accountancy firm? We did on uh, Tuesday morning, KPMG, who are um, involved in it with us and were supposed to be one of the creditors, but not in their books. And how were staff about you being outside their door? Were they okay about it? They didn't come out to us. There was nothing said. And I'd say they definitely heard us, Neil, because we were heard in a lot of the city, I believe. Okay, I'm going to play that audio from the KPMG um, uh, protest and and pick it in a few minutes' time. But that's serious dedication. How many days now? 133 days today. Did you go up to see me, Hall Martin? Was that you? I was. It was um, two other members of Virginia Maxfini and Valerie Conlon. We went there two weeks ago. How'd that go? And he was very hopeful that he could get KPMG a mandate to do talks. He did say that it wasn't going to be easy and it wasn't going to be done quickly. But we now believe that the talks have broken down. But did he make an effort on your behalf? Well, he did because he some of um, his party are involved in the talks as well. And they've been in contact with Valerie there over the weekend. But it's KPMG are not playing ball. Okay, all right. But they're actually holding our um, a holiday pay and our notice pay, which we should have had since any end of June ransom and our redundancy letters. But they're holding those ransom against us, Neil, because we're blocking the we have, we have pickets on the store, so they're not releasing that to us. So, if you want to get what they say you're entitled to, you have to stop picketing. Yes, well, we're entitled to our holiday pay anyway, and our our. Notice pay, Neil. Yeah. No, I, I know that, but they're, what they're saying to you is you won't get it unless oh, you go. And Yes, and their personal belongings in the lockers. When you give up the pickets, we'll give, let you into the store to get back your belongings. Okay. All right, belongings. okay. I'm going to play a couple of minutes from the from the, from the the picket there, but uh, you're back on duty again this morning? Girls are back there since five this morning. The wind is holding in, and you know where it is on Meadow Street. Tires can fly at any time, and on the lane. Um, and I mean, there was that... Uh, poor man was found dead there last week so we had that as well with the detectives and stuff like that so it's been hard it's hard but the fight is there and as I said last night we literally had to beg them to step down because we were actually fearful for them at that stage tonight okay, okay. so today is day 133 am I right and it's only 127 days to Christmas night All right. that's okay. the way we're looking at it ok T- stay in touch thanks Madeline thanks for the update thank this is some of the audio actually from the Debenhams uh, protest outside KPMG the other day Madeline Whelan and I was a sales assistant in Debenhams for 30 years. We're devastated. At this stage, we thought something would be sorted. We're 131 days today out here on strike. Um, it's not been easy. It's hard going. We have rained, rain, trying to mind the families and trying to keep everything else going as well as being keeps the pickets going. And you might do five or six hours on a picket, but you could be called in twice or three times when something's happening in the yard. So it's 24 hours a day we're on call. KPMG needs to give us a two plus two and end this because it's not fair on us. We're all here and we need to be paid our two plus two. It's not that much. It's very little and we really want it done. We're here today with Cape, uh, protesting outside KPMG because we need them now to start looking after us. We are a creditor. They're meant to look after the creditors and they're certainly not looking after us. We're down, way down on the list of traditional creditors, but at the end of the day, we are, creditors are in the, uh, employees are in the creditors list. So we, we should be looked after. I have to say the likes of Mick Barry, Sinn Féin, they have all been down here. 
Um, we haven't seen any of our bigger parties, but we have been up to see Fianna Fáil, uh, Michal Martin, the Taoiseach, myself, Gillian and Madeleine, and I've also seen Leo Varadka. They are meant to be helping us, but from what I'm hearing, talks have collapsed at the moment. All we're looking for is two plus two. That'll put an end to this. We won't be out here anymore. We won't be outside the stores picketing. Once we have an agreement for a two plus two, then we will walk away. So two plus two, that is our collective agreement in in all Devon and stores, the 11 stores. That was the last agreed redundancy back in 2016. So two is your statutory, plus two is what the employer gives you. So that's how we're getting our two plus two. Nobody wants to be out here. Everybody, at the end of the day, we haven't had COVID. We've been out here since the very beginning of COVID. So we haven't been able to spend time at home with our families and look after them. So really, we want to spend some time at home at this stage. We want to go looking for jobs, but we can't because it's all been taken away from us. But people are, as it's going on, and especially the statement that KPMG made over the weekend that Cork was on an artificial uh, strike, they're actually getting angrier now. So they're, they're even ready to last longer for the fight. Also, we would like to ask KPMG to let us into our lockers to get our, our belongings from our lockers and also to send out our redundancy forms because they haven't done that yet. All our belongings are still inside in the store. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. Heard Jenny O'Sullivan talking on RT this morning about the monkey puzzle tree down there by, to, to, for want of a better place to describe it, near the, the tunnel by the link on the uh, southern side of it. Um, it's gone. It, it came down in the storm last night. And that's very sad. I mean, thank God no human life lost and nobody injured. I know a lot of, a lot of boats and, you know, personal property has been damaged and flooding in areas. But that tree was planted. They figure around about 1810 uh, by William Crawford. If I remember correctly, William Crawford had the, the Lakelands estate. It was enormous. It was an enormous tract of real estate that he had that would have gone probably uh, very close uh, to Douglas um, and it would probably butt it from Douglas all around Ballinour, Mahan, all of that land. Huge, big, big estate. Um, and of course, that tree was planted by him in 1810. And even when they put in the link road and put in the tunnel and everything, they protected that tree. Not unlike the tree by the flyover, actually, at the at the at the, at the south link. But um, unfortunately, it came down last night in the storm, and that's a sad consequence. Uh, the Crawford monkey puzzle tree from 1810 is gone. If you love your city and your history, you'll be sad to hear that. I was talking about a flying trampoline last night. There was also a flying shed by all accounts. Leah joins me by phone from from Riverstick. Leah, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? What happened? So, um, last night, I think we're all still a bit in shock here this morning. Um, so, last night, um, it was, the electricity had gone at about maybe 9 o'clock um, and it came back. It went for about an hour, so it came back on at 10. Um, and at that stage, I suppose the winds had really picked up. Now, we're up really high um, overlooking kind of the airport, so we're quite exposed here anyway. Um, and we're wearing a newly built house so we put up our shed only recently um, and we're sitting down and the electricity got back up, came back on so we were trying to put on the kettle quickly for a cup of tea and whatever and we look out the kitchen window and all that we see is the whole entire shed just lifting up from the ground and it's blowing now there's fields behind us um, and my parents house so it actually just took off and it just went into like several different from pieces and it was flying each direction um, 
so it was yeah it was really nerve wracking it was like a scene out of the Wizard of Oz like, I'd never a flying never it was like a seen. flying house yeah, it was. It was so scary because we didn't know where. Um, that we'd all the animals in um, put in last night. Thank God. But it was. It when was, you say animals, are you on a farm. We're on a farm, yeah. So we have um, horses and stuff that we bought in last night, and um, a, c- a couple of cows and stuff. So we, they were lucky that um, they were brought in, but because we knew it was, was going to be quite bad, but we didn't think it was going to be as bad as it was. Um, like Storm Ophelia, we were actually living um, in a mobile home uh, on the site that we were near where we oh were building. Oh my God. We lost the roof in Storm Ophelia, but it was were you in it? last night. Uh, no, we had actually gone down to my parents' house. <laughs> oh my God. Um, and we, we've the nine-year-old little boy as well. So um, he he was even saying last night that it was it was worse this time round um, and so then we got an awful fight and we had a couple of garden furniture bits outside that we had blocks on concrete blocks on and we we kind of got a fight then when we seen the shed so we actually went we were trying to bring them in um, and my sister and her boyfriend were helping us as well and the wind literally took us from our underneath like our feet so we were just we had to go back inside It was You were much horrific. higher than a lot of us yeah so you were getting yeah. the brunt of it Where did the it's shed end up because I have photographs of it here that's a yeah. metal shed lad That's it's, it's completely levelled yeah, it was a galvanite and like it was all bolted into concrete, like into oh, a concrete. Um, so it has, I'm actually looking out my window um, and I can see it, like it's stuck in all the ditches. Um, it was just frightening because my husband works in the port. He actually had to leave this morning, but he, we were going to go out and try, try and, and um, put like, you know, bring it in or like try and do something in case the wind got worse later. I'd stay well away from it for a day or two. Dangerous, yeah. yeah. And I, forgive me for being nosy, but what about the contents? What was inside in it? So our content, I'm actually just looking at it now, the bucket's down raining, all our content is destroyed really, I suppose. We, we've, like the half the stuff is blown up the fields, um, but we had been camping last week um, down in Castle Gregory, it was absolutely gorgeous, got sunburned and everything, and so when we came back, we kind of just threw all our stuff into the tent and bikes, we've kind of bits of all David's tools and stuff. And, oh my God. And where, are all of that, where did all that stuff end up? In a ditch? Um, yeah, in ditches. Like, we're lucky enough that there's, I suppose, ditches around that it was able to, to manage, but there's fields out the back, so I'd say a lot of the, like, furniture and stuff has yeah. gone off. I'd say we'll be the next few, few days kind of cleaning up that. I have to say, you, know? you sound quite cheery in spite of all of that. I, I think, do you know what? I think my nine-year-old son is giving me the, the he's like, Mom, it's fine, no one was hurt, everyone's safe. So I think, you know, I suppose that, the, the main thing really that no one was hurt because it was so terrifying last night um, watching it blow because I was saying my parents' house are behind us um, and we've neighbours as well um, so I suppose the main thing was that none of them were hurt. Uh, you're it, absolutely you know? right and can I just ask you with regards to animals because we can kind of we, we kind of realise what, what, what's going on around us but do they also realise What's going on? Yeah, they do. Like, I suppose you, you, you'd notice, um, like, even, like, with our dogs and stuff and, and the horses, I suppose, you always can kind of tell that they kind of get a little bit, you know, giddy. They'd be off sorts, I think animals definitely do, you know. They Would they be able to sense it before it happens? Um, like I don't like I suppose they would really I suppose it's like a you know a, a dog as well if you know if you're off form they can kind of sense it I think with the weather they definitely do you know um, 
like yeah my, my dad is no more now on that side of it I know but, I know um, yeah no it was frightening like we were lucky enough that we have stables that we were able to, to put them all in all the animals into the stables but it, uh, it was it, yesterday evening here was quite manic because it was trying to bunker everything down um, at least you didn't lose the roof of your house like you did with the roof of the mobile I mean, this, yeah you know. it's um, you know it was it like Storm Ophelia was very bad for us like that as I said you know the, 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 mobile, the mobile home we lost the roof but last night here I mean even in a house um, you'd be it was just watching and we really uh, like big windows so it was looking out it was like seeing things from like the neighbours gardens flying past it was just it was something like I'll never ever forget it's just so frightening with this global warming like how we can get a storm in August um, I am just I'm frightened for the winter you know mm. Because okay. we're so exposed up here, but a rogue, everybody. A rogue summer storm. Everyone safe. is safe. I'm very yeah, safe. I'm just down a shed. But you're in the market for a, for a non flyaway shed. So yeah, if anyone has a shed for a good price, <laughs> <laughs> I'll pass on the details to you. All right. Thanks very much. Celia, take care. Really Regards to you all in uh, in Riverstick. There's thunder and lightning in Watergrass Hill. Uh, now and Eddie said that there was also thunder and lightning and heavy heavy rain down in the harbour area and I was chatting about a few minutes ago uh, William thank you he says I'm down on the Monkstown, Monkstown Marina it looked like looks like there's a small boat swamped pretty badly but all else looks good thank God to see thanks for those communications and stuff like that we'll pick it up after the break The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Okay, everybody's safe, but do be aware of road conditions this morning. They're treacherous in many places, and uh, there's been many fallen trees reported on top of that. And you have trigs, twigs, and you have branches, and you have lots and lots of leaves and debris. So bear that in mind. Slow down and proceed with caution. Uh, many people without power as well across the country. Many people in Cork without power. So hopefully the ESB, well, I know the ESB are working uh, all hours to get that sorted ASAP. So we'll update on that if there's anything else to report between now and midday today, but thankfully uh, no deaths and nobody hurt and everybody is safe. Now, uh, from a lot of the different topics we've been dealing with over the last few days, just some emails ahead of 10 o'clock. Um, Cork Mum wonders by email whether or not she's overreacting. I'll let you guys decide. She says, I went into a, la- a nail bar in the city with my 12-year-old daughter who's on the autism spectrum, lives with autism. She did not have a face mask on her as she's not required to wear one. She hates them. They scare her. Anyway, the guy shouted across the room that she needs one. I replied that she's exempt as she has special needs. He ignored me and asked a female to say it to me instead. I walked over to her and she said the same thing. She rolled her eyes up to heaven and she tutted at me. I was mortified and my child was so upset. I left straight away, but my older daughter was in the middle of getting a nail repaired. She explained to the guy that her sister has autism and she's only 12. Uh, I'm just wondering what others think. Don't want to have to explain every time I go to a shop why my child doesn't wear a mask. I think hopefully that won't happen to you again. Maybe you will have to in the future. I think they handled that completely wrong. Um, the way he reacted, shouting across the floor like that, he should have been very happy with your response and left you and your daughter alone. I think it was quite ignorant the way he behaved. Don't normally write to uh, radio shows, um, but I feel in light of the new restrictions announced, I just want to voice my concerns about many vulnerable people like myself. I am a daily attendee of Alcoholics Anonymous. I tried to get sober for over four years, but failed each time, unfortunately as my then-husband is also an alcoholic, and that didn't help. However, myself and my husband separated, and I once again returned to the rooms of AA before lockdown. 
and a miracle happened. I somehow was able to stick to it and I started to get better. Then lockdown occurred and the meetings were cancelled and I reluctantly joined online meetings as I had no other choice as I wanted to stay sober and this was the only way possible to get better. Online meetings are great, don't get me wrong, but there's absolutely no guarantee that others on the meeting are not sharing a room with a non-member while you're discussing confidential matters. I got used to it eventually and stuck with it. It's a fabulous temporary option during lockdown. At the end of lockdown, I was more than ready to go back to live meetings, let me tell you. I slacked off with my online meetings and had it gone on any longer, who knows what would have happened. I'm proud to say I'm a little over six months sober now and feeling great. In fact, the best I have felt in many years. We now face more uncertainty, a maximum of six people allowed in indoor settings, which means the meetings will be cancelled again. I'm literally at the end of my tether. Meetings are my lifeline, my opportunity to mingle with like-minded people. I don't go to pubs to purchase a meal like others do as I, as I don't drink. I work from home and that's my social outlet. Is there any way someone can find out if there's any way meetings can proceed as normal? This is our medicine for addiction. Part of that medicine is to be around other alcoholics at meetings in person. And in our meeting, masks are mandatory, as well as other recommendations. We take it very seriously. I'd be grateful if you didn't give out my name. Is there anybody could shed some light on that as to where Alcoholics Anonymous are with regards to their meeting? One of the things I'm worried about is she says there's no guarantee that others online are actually members. Does that mean that anybody could log in to an online Alcoholics Anonymous meeting and just watch and listen to people as they share? That sounds a little bit, uh, you know, worrying to me in that regard, but I guess what else can you do? Um, Because I think it might have an issue with confidentiality and anonymity if, you know, it's fine if you're, you know, sharing your stories with like-minded people who are battling, uh, but you know, regular members of the public. I think that maybe that's not the best way forward, but I suppose in these times. But anyway, with regards to meetings, anybody shed some light on that, get in touch with me, 0868-104-106. We'll pick it up after 10. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco. Save time and shop online. Simply log on to tesco.ie. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Anthony says, I have no doubt that at this point you will probably have people complaining about the restrictions. Yes, and yesterday as well. Uh, they are probably the same people that are to blame for the restrictions being imposed. Well, I don't know about that. And he says, the government have very little choice but to impose them. You have clusters developing in all areas of society again. Meat factories, creches, GAA clubs, football clubs, mushroom farms. Where do these clusters develop from is the question that should be asked. Our greedy citizens that couldn't wait to get their hands on a pint is one of the answers, and that's a fact. House parties are another factor. The 20 to 45 group are now spreading this vile disease throughout Ireland. Another factor for the spread was the transition from phase two to phase three too quickly. A reason why we did this was pressure to open up restaurants and pubs far too early. Well, I hope people are happy now. All we're listening to every day is pubs, pubs, pubs. They're not the only ones suffering, Neil. I haven't worked since March 16th. My business is decimated as a self-employed taxi driver. Try living on €350 a week long term. There's no work out there at the moment. Some of my colleagues have left the industry. Some have returned to work earning between €60 and €80 a day. This virus has affected everyone in this country, not a select few. If people did what they were asked of them, we'd be in a better place now. Listen to the advice given to us and help stop spread COVID-19, says Anthony uh, by email. There are interesting texts actually related 
particularly to pubs serving food. And one of the more scary ones is this one. Uh, I was in a well-known restaurant in Cork on Monday evening. They were doing very well with COVID safety restrictions until the end of the evening when a large table right in the middle of the restaurant was sat with seven people around the table who were all drinking without any effort for them to eat whatsoever. They weren't eating at all through the night. They were still there drinking when we left. I asked the hostess about this group as I paid my bill and she told me that they order takeaway as they leave and they're there every evening. I was so shocked I couldn't reply. But I rang again when I got home and explained that it was such a shame for this restaurant to make an obvious exception for these seven people, apparently on a regular, nightly basis, and then putting the health of other customers at risk and the risk of getting closed down, especially when they were making good efforts in every other way. The man on the phone completely agreed with me and wanted the manager to ring me the next day, but I said, no, don't bother, no need. I had said my piece, didn't want to make the manager think that I had rang to get a free meal or anything like that. Well, thank you for that text. Uh, I've asked the lads here to uh, get in touch with you, if you don't mind, because just out of curiosity, I would like to know the establishment, the name of the establishment, the restaurant or the bar restaurant, just to see who it was. Because how prevalent would that be where you'd have people drinking all night and then just ordering the food as a takeaway at the end? I mean, it must be very exasperating for publicans who are closed to hear that kind of thing. It really must be very, very annoying. So they drink away all night on a nightly basis. And when they're leaving, they order takeaway food so that they're, in inverted commas, covered, if you like. Any thoughts on that, lads? 0868104106 by text. Back to the email regarding the uh, woman who is uh, attending, had been attending actual AA meetings, then moved to the online viral AA meetings. But she's starting to struggle now and she needs to get back to um, proper AA sit-down or no meetings. What's, what's interesting about this is you could have restaurants and pub restaurants full of people, right? A couple of metres apart without any masks. But you couldn't have 10 or a dozen or 15 people at an AA meeting in a room with masks on. I mean, that's another added confusion, isn't it? Bill, good morning. Good morning, you. How are you? Thanks for taking the call. Where, where are we at with uh, AA meetings? Okay. Um, the AA meetings in Blackpool Communities and they have carried on right through. Uh, we never closed, you know. Um, we, we facilitate with uh, social distancing and all that. We set it all up, you know. So um, they never stopped in Blackpool. Um, oh. And we are working under doctors' um, instructions as well. And there we have doctors in-house, you know. So there are Well, you know the regulation now that you can't have more than six more than people six. indoors kind of thing? That's right. And we are working with that as well. You know, so what they're doing now is the normal hours. They are, are, um, are just one hour. They're Sunday night, Tuesday night, Ellen and meet Wednesday night, Thursday night one hour, Friday night one hour. But they're going to extend that now and have six in one hour and six in another hour, whatever. So they're going to stagger the two, you know. And I, I don't know whether you're in a position to know whether or not the Blackpool meetings are the exception around the city and county. I- I don't know, Neil, to be honest. I don't know. I, I do know that they have a very good organisation there. And it's been there, like, for 30 years, you know. And, um, yeah, so we, we do whatever we can, you know, to keep the show on the road for yeah. them, you know. Yeah, because it's so vital for some, including this woman, vital. Vital, vital, yeah, yeah. 
Okay, let me see if I can find out if other meetings continued all through. Because yeah. I had heard that it had moved online, you see. Yeah, I had had moved, I think, black room for maybe a couple of weeks, right? But they found us walking out. And then, look, we, we, we sat So they returned again. to the rooms? They have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's some consolation anyway for people who need to go. They can also check out the hours and times for. And is there a limit on the amount or anything like that? How oh, oh, do you Well, there's six six can meet in the room. You know. Uh, ah, yeah. well, that's the that's why they've been able to carry on. But if there's there are, actually six in the hall, we have uh, we have a hall there in the center. They couldn't use their own room, right? But they 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 down to the hall and we 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 set up the hall for them and mark the floors and. And we got sanitizers. You understand all of the confusion people would have over that, that you got a big hall, Blackpool Hall, which could probably take a couple of hundred, and you could yes. only put six people in there, even if they're wearing masks. We were down to 18 there for a while, and then it went down to 12, I think. It's down to six now, yeah. All right. Okay. So, okay. So they're just, they're, they're going to stagger the hours, you know. So yeah. More I meetings, know. but limited to six. All right. Fair exactly. play. Exactly. Exactly. Thanks, yeah. Bill. Appreciate you taking the call. Have a good day. Um, Mark, good morning. Good morning. I'm very sad to hear about your wife at such a young you. age. What happened to her? Uh, she got a clot in her leg and it travelled to her heart. And basically, that's what happened. At 50 years of age? Yeah. She was complaining, I think, of pins and needles in her leg, was it? She was. She had a sore leg for ages, but she was going to the doctor to have it checked out. And I think that morning that she was going back to get the results of it. And obviously, she didn't make it to the doctor's. Oh my God! And that's that's less than a year ago. Uh, November nineteen. Uh, you were telling the lads that you you weren't there when she when she passed away. Is that right? No, I was walking away, and basically I didn't pick up my phone till about an hour and a half later. And obviously I got the phone calls on it, and I rang them back, and they told me on the phone. Well, the guards told me on the phone. The two guards that were out here at home. Oh, the shock of it, because. Yeah. Nobody was expecting that. No, definitely not. No. I was probably thought it was something minor that could be treated. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, it, we thought it was only a, re- a sore leg is what she thought herself, and she nobody expected it was a clot in her leg. I mean, the shock, I mean, obviously the sadness, heartbreak. Oh, yeah, yeah, unbelievable. My God. So by the time by the time by the time you found out there was like twenty eight missed calls on your phone an hour and a half. Oh my yeah. god! I'm so sorry. The house that I was the lady of the house that I was working. She very kindly drove me home because she wouldn't let me drive my van home at all. No, oh, she would have been completely out of a total shock. Yeah, fifty years of age, all to live for. I know. I'm so sorry to hear that. I really Thank am. You. I really am. But what 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 is the problem then you're having with the life insurance? I was only asking the the text I sent to Red FM. I was just inquiring, did anybody have any dealings with life insurance policies? Because basically I'm still paying for both of us since November. And I was told on emails that it's a dual policy that I have to keep paying it until it starts it out. But each time I ring, I'm getting on to somebody different. It's not the same person that I've been dealing with at all. And basically, they've been telling me that the claims department are accessing it and they were looking for 
information off the doctor, which they got, and then they came back looking for more information. Forgive me now, but I, I do know that in issues like this, you must produce a, I hate saying it, but you have to produce a death certificate, you know. That's, that's after being handed in as well. And the cause of death was on the death cert, and I presume that we both of us are smokers. Well, one of us was a smoker. And basically, if I lied on the death cert, then obviously they'd have found out by the coroner straight away. You know, that would be a technicality and I wouldn't, the, the policy wouldn't pay out. So obviously they know that we were smokers. So and, 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 do, do you think that might be uh, uh, an issue with regards to her, her death? Is no, it? no, 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 no. We, we both put down as we were smokers. So we were all upfront about what. what and, but they're still, they're still in charge of, but th- yeah. they wouldn't, they wouldn't be looking to prove that it was smoking led to the clot that that travelled to her no, heart? No, not, not, I, I wouldn't know all about that part of it, no, but no, they've never contacted me about that part of it. It's, so, I was just wondering, did any of your listeners, because every time I've talked to people, either they haven't got an insurance policy or basically their husband or wife hasn't died yet, so they've no need to go about an insurance policy. So I was just wondering, did any of your listeners... Well, we contacted Irish Life for comment on your behalf and they said okay. that uh, COVID-19 has created a backlog of paperwork to process. They didn't say how big the backlog was um, and they um, haven't commented on whether, it, on whether it's a, a policy to charge a person for life assurance after they've passed on. I don't understand that part of it, forgive me, but they did say that there's a backlog of paperwork that they need to process they're probably working under different con- different conditions now because of COVID, you know? Yeah. Don't know how big the backlog was, but, you know, okay. um, that's what that's what they're saying. It's There's nothing oh, untru- right. I mean, they won't talk about your specific case, but they say they have yeah. people who are being delayed because of COVID-19 backlogs. Okay. And, t- and tell me, um, how, y- how are you coping? Oh, we're all fine. Um, the, the, my son always back at work. He's um he works inside in town and my daughter is still she's after taking a year out so she'll be going to college next year so basically we're all fine we I suppose we had to get on with it you're pulling together like yeah do. yeah yeah because it was so sudden you know it's like oh, somebody's there one day yeah. and not the next you know exactly yeah oh my god it's just a shock of I've been being told over the phone which I made him tell me you know what I mean I, I they asked me to come home and I would move until I found out what was wrong because I, I was getting more and more agitated with nobody telling me, you know what I mean? So basically I did ask him to tell me over the phone. The guards? Yeah. And they did? And they did, yeah. I mean, it must have been hard for the guards to actually tell me that over the phone, you oh, know, yeah. when they were trying to get in contact with me and the neighbours were trying to get in contact with me and my my son and daughter were, were so there's missed calls from everybody. Well, that's one of the harder aspects of the guardy jo- guarder's job, you know? Yeah. In fairness, someday, you know, they were very good out here and, you know, they they told me to take my time coming home because they didn't want me crashing the van rushing home, you know. I know, I know. It's absolutely tragic. So sorry, so yeah. fast and without any warning yeah. and no time to yeah. say goodbye. Nothing like that. It's terrible. Yeah. Listen, um, that's what Irish Life had to say regarding the policy. They say Thank it's you. down to a backlog. Yeah. It's unfortunate, okay. though. Uh, but they say, you know, with the backlog... Nothing untoward. It will be resolved in time. Maybe if other people have had other, um, you know, experiences of insurance companies in these circumstances, they might get in touch. And if they do, I'll pass on the details. All right. That's good. Yeah. That's the reason why I wanted to get in contact with yourself, just to find out 
as I said, that you know, did anybody else have any kind of dealings similar to my my? Where it went um, on for months and months, even though you had provided all the paperwork, I understand. Yeah, yeah, and still right. paying for the two of us, which I find is a bit ridiculous. Yeah, well, it's wrong on a number of different levels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. paying for someone who's dead, life insurance sounds a bit like backwards, if you ask me. Well, you'd think that it would be a matter that we were resolved in a matter of weeks as soon as all the paperwork had been furnished, but this is 10 months later and still no solution, yeah. Exactly, yeah, September will be 10 months. Okay. All right, listen, if I hear anything, I'll be back to you. Stay listening. Thank you, Neil. No, thank, thank you, you, Mark. Time. Thanks so much. Take care. Uh, so sad Bye. to hear about your wife at the age of 50. Back after the break, text 086-8104-106. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. All right, just with regards to Mark, it's very tragic. Fiona's a broker. She says it should have been settled a long time ago. She has seen cases settled within weeks. He would have had to have her premium and once he would have had to have her premium and once the claim is settled, he would be reimbursed for what he paid for his late wife. He would then be just continue to pay for himself. Taking COVID into account, Mark should have had his claim settled since June uh, never mind, still in, in August. And again, um, just on that point, any premiums that would have been paid for his late wife would be refunded or reimbursed to him. That's what Fiona, the broker, is saying. Mind you, can I talk to Neil, if you don't mind, because uh, he got in touch with the show after my conversation with Mark. Neil, good morning. Hi, uh, um, Neil. Now, now, what's extraordinary to me is that your wife died in exactly the same circumstances as Mark's. He, well, yeah, practically the same circumstances yeah, uh, August 2019. And his wife died in November 2019. Um, yeah. Do you mind me asking, what, what kind of age was your wife? 52. And his wife was 50? Yeah. Both there from blood lot, clots. There was a lot of deaths in that year on on neutral circumstances in, to do with blood clots. And is that significant uh, for any particular reason, do you think? is it? Uh, I don't know, it's just... It's a, there was a, on, on the night that it happened with my wife, there was three other deaths. And they were all in similar circumstances to the blood clots. And was it just completely... Do you mind me asking you about it, Neil? Like, what, what happened? Yeah, well, I'll go as far as I can with it. Yeah. Uh, she was just sitting at home, and all of a sudden she couldn't breathe. And that was it. I went from there, got an ambulance, got her to the mercy, and unfortunately inside the ambulance she passed away. Were you with her? Unfortunately not, I couldn't because there was two paramedics and uh, that, what you call the doctor, the South doctor, goes around in the, the speedy ambulance. So you followed? Yeah, we followed. Unfortunately, we actually got there before the ambulance because they had to stop. And then that news, that tragic, awful news had to be broken to you uh-huh. at the doors of the ambulance? No, inside the, we were brought into the uh, family room in the Mercy. She, they had rushed her into the, the back way and down into the emergency unit. But she was gone with the, in the ambulance. It was too late. At 52 years of age, with no yep. prior? Yep. My God. That's, and like, has anybody been able to explain why a blood clot would form like that and travel to it's the heart? just... All I got from from it, which is, it's one of those things. They're rare, but they do happen. And unfortunately, the the speed of them too quick to to to, to be detected just in an ambulance or at home. You know, that it's one of those things. The blood clot clots at the lung stops the blood 
after the, the, the heart Hard. lessened. That's it. Could happen to anyone at any time anyone without at any warning. Time. You could be the fittest person in the world or the sickest person in the world. It can happen. And how are you coping? Uh, one day at a time. One day at a time. Good days, bad days. Just keep going for my own rest of the family. Oh, the heartbreak. And have you children? Well, they're all grown up. My youngest is 28, 28, 30 and 32. Leaves an awful void, though. Yeah, four grandkids. That was the worst part of it. Oh, she probably doted on them. Oh, she did. She was, you know, we all say it, but she was the best grandmother around. I'm so sorry. I really and truly am. Talk to two different husbands. Uh, no. And you know, to lose wives and mothers at fifty and fifty-two to blood yeah. clots. What, what, what talked to me about that chap was uh, yeah. Thank you. Go the, ahead. Yeah. The life assurance and that, like he's went, he's still paying ten months later for his late yeah. wife. Well, I can't understand that because I got in contact with both Royal Liver, and we also had this the house life assurance policy with um, another company, and got through to them. And right over, just ceased the payment straight away. And I, I was waiting for the, had to have the actual coroner's death report. It, uh, it was sent to them for, to clarify it. But they stopped the payments till then. And then when they got it, they just ceased payments. And within a few weeks, I had the life insurance money. Then the, the In a few uh, weeks, that was very efficient. That's what you expect, actually, from a company no, doing business. No, what I'm saying within a few weeks was of once I sent in the, the debt cert. Yes, of course you have to no, produce it that. Take a few, it took a few months, all right, but what I'm saying is they stopped the payments straight away. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, after I got in contact with them, I had sent them the would-be, it's not the coroner's debt cert, but it's the, the hospital's debt cert. So do you think it could just, do you think that this could be COVID related or it literally depends on who you're well, assured? Uh, I wouldn't say so if it happened last November because COVID wasn't there last November. COVID only kind of really kicked in in March. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I would say no to that. No, I could be wrong, but I would say no. That's an excuse, I think, because you've got five, nearly six months between that and COVID starting. But you see, a, a man like Mark who has lost his life partner his wife, mothers to his children under really, really tragic circumstances shouldn't need to be chasing down and hounding a company like no, this. No, but you are going to have to. Okay. It doesn't matter. You, uh, well, that's the lesson I learned from it. Yeah. Because the, the other one then was the through the house and were, I still pay an insurance policy on, my, on myself on the house even though, unfortunately, the, the death of the house has gone now because of my wife. I know. But, but we were, we were paying every month was cut in half when my wife passed. And that was done fairly quickly as well. Now, I, my advice to him is, what i done is I went through a broker. Give it over to a broker? Yeah. That, he doesn't need that under, on his head. No, he doesn't. Give it, no. give it over to a broker. If he's got money coming from a policy, the broker will look after that and he does not be worrying about anything. That's okay. the least he needs on his mind. Okay, that's good words of advice. That's, um, that's kind of one of the reasons why I'm phoning. That man is obviously going. To, I know. I know exactly what he's going through. Would you mind if? Uh, would you mind if maybe I gave him your mobile? Would that be all right? Yeah, you can do. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. You know, that'd be yeah. great because you've been through it. 
God yeah. knows you both lost your, your wives at very young young ages, 50 and 52. So you could help them along, maybe. Yeah, yeah. No okay. problem. Okay. Well, listen, I do appreciate picking up the phone. And I'm so sorry to hear about the death of your of your beautiful wife. And thanks for taking the call, Neil. All right? Thank you. Thank you. All the best. Swap numbers on that one, lads, and we'll help that gentleman along the way. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. Brendan says, I was in a supermarket in Cork last night, half past nine. Some lads were strolling around with no masks. So the security guard answer when I asked him why he was allowing this to happen was, it's nothing to do with me. Well, why are you a security guard then if it's not? Could you explain to me if it's mandatory for children to wear masks in a barbershop? I experienced a very embarrassing incident yesterday in a barber's in the city when I attempted to get my children's hair cut. My, child, my children are six and nine and they weren't wearing masks. I was wearing a mask at all times. The barber said that everyone had to wear a mask, no matter what age they are. I found two more masks in my bag, but since they were adult ones, the mask wouldn't fit my six-year-old and we were forced to leave. I have no problem with my children wearing masks, if that's what's recommended. But as far as I know, masks are not recommended for children under the age of 13. It was extremely embarrassing, and I'm wondering if other parents experienced similar incidents, says Sinead. Has anybody experienced that? It's time for the HSE to come clean about testing and results. We would like to know where in Cork most cases are. Stephen Donnelly should put the boot in for more testing as soon as possible. Uh, Some more texts regarding this. I know of a few recent cases which were positive, but the people in question were in full health. They were told that they may have been infected in the past and the test was picking up a latent virus. That's worth investigating. Here's an interesting thing I learned from a friend of mine living in Paris. When visiting the Paris Plage next to the Seine, she and others were given a free COVID-19 test and a free antibody test. They got the antibody test back almost straight away. They also did free testing at a local market one day last month for everybody. Um, and here we're trying to ramp up the testing um, and trying to ramp, ramp up the track and trace so people can get results an awful lot faster. Uh, it's not often I write into a radio station. The reason I choose your station is the fact that you give balanced and truthful accounts of the subject from both sides. First, may I say, the current restrictions issued by the government is indeed a slap in the face to the over-70s. Since the outset of this outbreak, no stage has the government addressed the issue relation to off-licenses, which, in my view, is the cause of most of the COVID-19 outbreaks in the community. I suppose you can say that off-licenses lead to house parties and field parties. The government should close all off-licenses, including off-licenses in supermarkets. And a curfew should be introduced. And the guard should be given the power to arrest and detain anyone over the under the age of 21, caught drinking, holding parties in private houses or other locations. I'm of the view that the youth of this country has not played its part in this pandemic at all. And they should now be brought to task. Keep safe, and to you and your staff. And there are many, many relating to parties and clusters. And here's the opposite view. Can people lay off young people having house parties, please? Where are all the house party clusters? There aren't any. The current outbreak is from meat plants and direct provision centres. In the meat plants, there are a lot of immigrants, poorly paid, working there. But do the government intervene on poor paying conditions? No, they don't. These people are poorly paid, and they have to live on top of each other in cramped houses because they can't afford anything else due to the rental crisis that successive governments have failed to address. The government has played a blinder in turning people against each other and directing attention away from the real issues with this new outbreak, says John. You are right when you talk about direct provision and also meat plants and processing plants, but in recent weeks, unfortunately, John, there has been a very big increase in community 
transmissions. That would be COVID-19 that has been contracted between people indoors. So unfortunately, things have changed since it was just direct provision and meat plants, I have to tell you. The AA uh, didn't, uh, didn't the AA, AA didn't get the person that emailed sober, Neil. She got herself sober and they simply gave her the tools. A lot of people replaced their addictions to a substance with an addiction to meetings. Despite treatment centers and meetings, the success rate is in the low single figures. This proves that it is entirely up to the individual to remain clean and sober. All the treatment centers and meetings in the world, unfortunately, have made uh, very little significant difference. Any other form of treatment with such tiny success rate would never be recommended to anyone. Uh, regards, says Mike. I think that's extraordinary to anybody who has uh, managed to get sober and stay sober with the help of going regularly to AA meetings. I think they'd be quite annoyed with an opinion like that, but you are entitled to it. Um, uh, Obviously, it is down to the person, but, you know, the backup uh, and the network of AA helps with your own resolve on top of it, I believe. Lines are open at one 104 106 There's one more on that. I'm a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Just to let you know, and your last caller, that most of the landlords hosting AA meetings in Cork are allowing physical meetings to go ahead as it's considered an essential service. I know a few meetings are closed, but a lot are open if you search around. I wish the lady who sent the text all the best. I'd like to tell her to stay strong. I'm 13 years sober and found things very tough during lockdown with no physical meetings. But it's great to have the online facility. If people want it bad enough, they will go to any lengths. Don't give out personal details. Thank you for that. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. I I mean, probably I should have mentioned it at the time, but there are exemptions to face coverings and masks. Uh, They're not suitable for some people, including children under the age of 13. So I don't believe that that law changed. You know, with regards to... The woman in the barber shop, it means that children under 13 are exempt from the regulations. If you have a reasonable excuse to not wearing a face covering, you should tell a member of staff if you can't wear it because of physical or mental illness or disability or cause you distress. Um, uh, you can, uh, you know, if you're taking, you can take it off then in very certain circumstances, like you have to take medication or whatever, you can take off a face mask if it could cause harm or injury. I'm not quite sure that very that's a very vague one. And of course, we know the members of the guards do not have to wear a face covering when performing their duties. And that's why there was a bit of grief early in the week from somebody who went into Anglesey Street and nobody was wearing masks. So face coverings for under 13s, uh, not uh, compulsory at this point in time. And that's Unless that's changed, and I don't believe that it has. Okay, a lot of things haven't changed. And I've been dealing with this uh, um, this this kind of string of topics in, in recent weeks where I've been looking at things where legislation needs to change in Ireland. Do you remember I spoke to some girls who um, were victims of revenge porn a couple of weeks back. Last week we looked at upskirting and this is all to do with legislation or lack of legislation. I'll be returning to other changes again uh, perhaps today but certainly in the coming days with regards to changes to um, early release and parole and things like that and how the legislation needs to change in that regard. So we did revenge porn, we did upskirting. Um, but what about issues involving online bullying? What about issues involving uh, harassment online, trolling, cyber stalking? Uh, a lot of the time these sites that are set up are uh, based um, and housed overseas um, and therefore it's very hard to track them back with regards to taking any action against them. Um, 
I'm unscripted on this guys on this one, guys. So bear with me. I'm unscripted on everything, incidentally. But also on, on top of that, many of the people who are doing the cyber stalking, the trolling, the bullying, the commentary are anonymous. They don't have to produce any information whatsoever as to who they are, where they are, or anything like that. But the effects it's having on what I can only describe as victims is devastating. And there are many different sites out there that have a go at people. Uh, It's probably best if you never know about what's been said about you because it would only upset you. But when you find out, it must be heartbreaking. Um, And with that in mind, I've got Sarah Burke on line six. She started out with uh, fat and flab to fit and fab some time ago and built up a very big uh, following on Facebook and Instagram. Sarah, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And for many years, everything was grand. Yeah, look, at the, I suppose, look, what I want to say from the word go is that I know there's a stigma attached to influencers and bloggers, but for me, it's always been a hobby. It was never something I set out to do to say, oh, I'm going to make this a career. Or, and like, you know, I high five the people that do that. But for me, I always, I've always worked. So this was just something that I did. I suppose at the start, it was the document weight loss. And then all of a sudden, it just became something like where I had my son and I was documenting that. And now it's like being a mom. And it's, you know, every, every, I, think, I think now it's just everything. You know, like I talk about everything on it more so than just weight loss. Um, but would you describe yourself as an influencer or a blogger? <laughs> see, like, I wouldn't, but people do. And like, like when they talk of influencers either, and like, bloggers, don't they th- talk about people who make money from it? They do. And I I do. Like, I, I, I know I'm brand ambassador for a few brands and I do get paid for those for being brand ambassador. So you are an influencer then, yeah. So it's, technically, yeah. But, I, you know, when people meet me, like, as in they might not have met me before and then they meet me, they're like, oh, my God, you're the same person. I'm like, yeah, like, it's, you know, or I, I even get pulled back. I'm like, no, I'm just regular Sarah. Yeah, some, but some of them have superstar status, but why do they attract negativity? Look, I think it's, it's, for me, I think it's going back to think you're only pushing it because you're getting paid for it, but I suppose where I'm standing, I have a full-time job, I'm self-employed. Like, I I run my own business, so, like, I always say, and I've always said, and I've spoke to you before about it, like, that if Instagram shut down tomorrow, it's no skin off my nose, like, it's just a bonus that that I have this now built up, like, it is just a bonus, and I would always say to my followers, and I've been true since day one, like the amount of messages I've gotten the last couple of weeks to say, you know, since your Australia day, Sarah, you've never changed. I haven't changed. I'll never sell something for the sake of it. I can't lie anyway. I'm used to that lying. Like, you can, everyone knows that I can get this stage. Like, I just can't lie. And when did um, the harassment and negativity, would you even call it hate, when did it start to manifest itself online? You know what? I think, um, I actually spoke to you back in February. Um, I was due to get married and it was cancelled for personal reasons. Absolutely nothing to do with COVID and that like the first week or two of that everyone was kind of you know like they feel sorry for you and they're like oh look that's awful what's happened to her and like it's mad how like a sad story can gather followers because I went up by like 2,000 followers that week just because I announced that the wedding was cancelled and then kind of when COVID hit it was just before the restrictions came in and we had that conversation about how I went to Clarny and I was out because we were left out no one had a restriction on being out at that time but Oh I recall that you went, went to Killarney yeah. for a break yeah, yeah, for a break with my family and that's kind of when it started but since People then, gave I you thought, grief about that right? Yeah they were like you know you shouldn't be out you know we're in a, a worldwide pandemic and I understood that at the time but I was like nowhere does it state that we cannot be in a hotel or that we cannot be in a bar or that we cannot be because it didn't state it at that time That was February um, yeah, yeah. That was February. Well, it was kind of like in March, it was the start of March. Um, 
but basically since kind of then I suppose like it's just gotten worse and I suppose when we look back it's because people haven't been working they have more time in their hands and it's so just no, I'm just very curious about the herd mentality here your trip to Killarney the start of March even though there wasn't um, there wasn't a kind of a five kilometre rule at that stage or a two kilometre no, or twenty no no, okay. no no that's when people started to kind of lash out it's kind of when it started to lash out and people just but I really do put it down to that people aren't working so they obviously have more time than hands because it is impossible for someone who's working full time to have and, this much time in their right, hands but is it a case then when one person lashes out that it gives others confidence then and all of the, the yeah. gossip and, and the they, lies they and jump the, on the bandwagon and, and what happened you know, next then so I suppose for the last couple of months um, I you know what I'll be honest with it I've been up and down the whole time the first couple of months were very hard obviously after everything happened and then COVID hit and then I was trying to run work and I was just dealing with my own stuff so I would kind of be come on in spurts I wouldn't be on as much and then if I came on upset like I was ridiculed for that like oh she's on crying again or if I was on and we'll just say like Luke was driving me mad on a day as most moms would tell you with their kids they can do that um, like it was like oh she's putting her eyes to heaven so everything I started to do was being judged like no matter what I put up no matter if I was singing from the roof no matter if I was crying it was being judged the whole time and I actually was completely unaware of it I don't go into these pages you know people if I see a page that starts following me that's literally just to bash people I actually block it immediately Are there many um, of these pages that have been set up? Just not to- as much on Instagram I don't think I think because people have now like I suppose power numbers when, when everyone says you know like when, when influencers and bloggers are talking about it about how much it affects them people do listen and they don't go on it but the one and I'm not going to name it because I don't want to send traffic over to it but the website at the minute that I was talking to Brendan Seamus about it basically like there's 47 it's a 47 or 49 pages absolutely like ripping me and my family to shreds which and I you know everyone's so 47 pages dedicated yeah. to you alone yeah yeah, yeah. have you read them? Not at all. No, I went on one day, I think, and that was back, geez, that was about four weeks ago. And I came off it immediately and I swore I'd never go back on it because it's just the things they've written, you know, and I think that's why I wanted to speak out about it. Do you it. know what you they know. have said about you, for instance? Yeah, I've known bits about it. Like one part of it was that I, um, that we'll just say, for example, my family and my dad would do a lot of betting at uh, Cheltenham. He'll kill me up that, but he loves, he loves horse racing. No crime in that, like, particularly all... if he's making a few bob, yeah. Well, I tell you what now, so my nan turned 90 last year and just before she turned, um, when she turned 90, we had a big party in the Commons for her and my dad actually um, was waiting on a horse, won a bet there, and basically he um that was up there, like that my dad's a gambler and that he's an addiction and that at my nan's party he won a load of money and it just like they they said that he's a gambler and that we they have no money, you know, like that the house is up gonna be up uh, taken off them, um, that I was a bully in school. That's what hit me over the edge and that's why I got in touch with Brenda because I was bullied in school, Neil, for being overweight. And I I never ever spoke out and said that I had tried to take my life at a very young age because of it. It was that bad. And like, you know, my mum and my dad are the only kind of people and my sisters that would have known that. And I don't speak about it. But the other day I thought, you know what? There's some poor girl sitting at home who wants to follow her dreams and she can't because she's worried what X, Y, and Z are going to say about her. Or if she does, what people will do. And I just feel like that the more people that go on these websites, the worse it's going to get. Like I've had... Sorry, I don't mean to drop. Go ahead. No, I've had people who've come up to me and said, oh, Sarah, I've seen what they said about you. It's awful. And I'm like, why are you on there? 
you know, you're supporting it by going on and reading it. And I know we all want to know it and we all want to have a bit of gossip, but like some of the stuff, like even, um, like we'll just say my, my boy is three and a half, like, oh, his dad isn't his dad. He's actually Asian. Now he does look a little, like... He looked when he was born. They did ask me, they were like, "Is he foreign?" And I was like, "No, he's not." But just things they write about it. You know, my sister has a hair salon, and that was ripped to shreds. Um, you know, just about us in general as people. My poor nan, like they they were on about her, um, and this is just coming from what my sister had actually gone on. And she, last week she said to me, Sarah, she's like, I have to stop. They went camping. Um, my family went camping two weeks ago, and I didn't go, but I went down for the day. Then they had my little boy with them, and. They took the picture from of my nieces and my nephews and put it up on this website. My sister, my, my brother-in-law was freaking out. He was like, Sarah, they have the picture of the kids. And I was like, well, it's obviously someone we know because that would be on our private Facebook pages, you know. So you don't um, even know who to trust anymore. I don't. Oh, I, I'm gone so bad. Like, I'm gone so cautious. So you've been, you know? like, that's that's a form of stalking as well. So, it, well, like, um, and also they claim you were having an affair like every, nothing nothing there's nothing barred here it's just a free for all oh, like they have literally put like they have put what they want like these people can just say what they want and I suppose the worst thing about Neil is that it is always someone close to home and I had this before where I did find out it was actually a family member of someone that I knew and that person caught herself out but it just you know what it's just like I'm gone so cautious like I walked down Shannon Street two weeks ago on a Saturday morning and I was walking down and it was up all over the website straight away. Um, Sunday night I went away for uh, the for night. God's sake, I mean, that's oh, must wait be, for it. there must wait be for sad it. lives of the same. Oh, she's Sunday walking. night I went away for a night and um, the next morning um, I got up and we I hadn't said any, to anyone that I was going away for the night. I didn't even put it on Instagram that I was away and it was up there the next day. Like, so, you know, I have a very tight circle as it is. Like, I don't have many friends and I say that all the time. My friends and my sisters, they're the best of the friends in the world but it's just so hard to kind of you know even if you get messages you know people who might be going through a marriage breakup or who might be engaged that may not want to go ahead with their wedding and then yeah. for advice I don't know who to trust or what to say but, to those people but does anybody defend you on online on this yeah side? so I got um like I got a good few messages of people like for instance one girl um she's local here and she wrote I'll actually send it to you so you can read it but she wrote this big huge long you know about how she knew the family and that she wasn't that Actually, we're not very good friends, but like we know them quite well. And she defends us completely and she's, you're blocked. You get blocked automatically if you defend. So if you say something positive, you're blocked and taken down and you're not left right up on it. Um, and you know what? I suppose, Neil, no matter, it's power numbers. If I got everyone on board and we did something about it, it's fantastic. But they'll just set up another one. It's just going to be ongoing. You know, this is, I think it's just something that you can, like as my sister keeps saying, there, you're not going to win. So just let them at it. But I suppose what I want is it's for people to just stop going on it. Stop going on these, you know, if you see something that's literally ripping someone's shreds, stop reading it. Like, you know, stop reading it because you're just enabling them. You're literally adding fuel to the fire for them. Yeah, I, listen, I wish you all the best of luck in the whole wide world. I would even think that our, my conversation with you now will be up on that as well and they'll oh, be talking and tearing strips and off both of us. And everyone was saying, don't do it. Don't. And I was like, no. I was like, because, as it says, 14-year-old Sarah, who was absolutely bullied to pieces, would, you know, have never said anything to anyone. And Sarah, six months ago, would have been that way. But I've done so much work on myself the last couple of months. I'm like, you know, I can actually say this and I can actually say, you know, that's not right. And if they want to ridicule me, let them at it. No. You know, what they say about me is my business. But no. I suppose I just wanted to keep people aware that, you know, when you're reading it, just think how you'd feel if it was your daughter or your son or your sister or your mom or, you know, if it was your own family. Because I learned, as I said, when when the wedding was cancelled, the, the stories people come up with like is insane, and 
I've now learned even if I hear a story to not believe it until I actually would people please yeah would people please not be walking up to people and telling them that other people are talking <laughs> about them online or sending screenshots like I no, know no my god like, don't, don't do need that to see it. Um, as I like, is there, said, a, is, there a, is there an alternative? Are they genuinely worried for you? Or is there an, an alternative reason? Just because they're nasty. Agenda. I feel there's always a hidden agenda. You'll get the genuine folk that genuinely do love watching you and do love what you're doing and are there to support you. But you'll always get the one or two that are throwing it in just to see maybe even what a reaction. And I would have been a very reactive person. I would have been straight onto Instagram, lost the plot. Whereas now I'm just like, I just I wrote a blog post on it. I posted it, and that was the last I said of it on my Instagram. I was like, I'm not saying no okay, more on it. Okay, I've got a couple of unanswered questions for you. Can you hold on till after eleven, and we'll wrap it up at that stage? I hope yeah. you're okay to do that. Thanks. We'll talk after eleven. Appreciate that, Sarah. You can get in touch yourself, guys, if you've comments or thoughts on this. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Back after eleven. One zero four to one zero six. Red FM. This is the Neil Frienderville Show. Okay, we are talking about uh, harassment, bullying, cyberbullying. There's no specific law, uh, there's no specific offence under Irish law for this at present that addresses the kind of thing that Sarah and perhaps others have to put up with. There is a general offence of harassment uh, under the Non-Fatal Offence Against the Person Act. Uh, so I don't know what that would cover it, but there's no online behaviour, you know what I mean? Um, I wonder, would there be a crime committed if the person who was being harassed, for instance, took their own life or self-harmed but or took their own life, as has happened in the past, would it then become a crime? And you've got to wonder as well then, where's the culpability of the, of the website? Bear in mind now that these people are anonymous. They hide behind the veil and the cloak of anon- anonymity and that gives them some amount of power against you and 100% freedom. Sarah, um, you just heard what I said there. Like that, that, is, that is the state of play when it comes yeah, to, to the law. That's the case of that. There's nothing can be done about it. And, and they're all anonymous. Yeah, they're all anonymous. And you know what, Neil? I would be the first person to say, if someone came to my face and said, X, Y, Z, you did this, then fair enough. Or if someone came to me and said, you were, like, we'll just say the whole bully comment about school. If someone came and said, you were a bully in school, you did this to me, fair enough. But the amount, I, I know I wasn't, but the amount of girls that I wouldn't even have known followed me from school that got in touch when, when I had mentioned this, they were like, oh my God, like, that couldn't be for it. Now I was a mess, only don't get me wrong. Like, the teachers knew that, like, I was, I was the one putting the corridor up laughing and then I'd laugh harder because I was in the corridor. And even a few months back, they no, had but you weren't, me, a, you weren't a bully. Your dad's I not, a your dad's not a guy. Gambler, you didn't have no, an affair, no, he, you know. As I said, exactly, you know, like, and just there's just so much on it. That there isn't so a question wrong. over your over your son's parentage. All of these Not horrid at things. All, like his dad, dad. No, like, I know you don't just. Well, I'm just saying the things that are lies. You know, um, it's just that. It's just I, I like I I would say if someone came to me and and had had the decency to say look this, this is how I feel about you then fair enough but if someone has to hide behind the screen but like, there's an overwhelming someone, amount of text coming in from people who are saying pretty much the same thing. Firstly, who wants to share their lives online? Why do it and then complain when people react to it? See, I don't mind someone. You know, I've had people who've messaged me saying I don't agree with that, and I would say perfect. That's no problem. Not everyone's going to agree with you, but. It's like that's not even that's not even disagreeing with someone like that's complete and utter like tearing some shambles. And I get when people would say that when they'd say, "Why would you bother even doing it?" And I have questioned that the last couple of weeks. Why am I doing it? Why on earth would you? Somebody says, "Why on earth would you tell complete strangers all your personal business?" It's a pathetic world. Um, Get off it. Yeah, well, see, and I understand that because that's their opinion. But for me, I started something where I'm documenting my weight loss, where I was documenting weight loss. It's turning to this now. So for me, like, as I said, Neil, like, 
my okay. even the other day when I wrote that blog post, right? And I know that you might not have read it now, but I read I wrote the blog post and I just literally knocked it on the head. But I my hope is that there's some person out what there. What did that? I mean, I position. didn't. I wasn't given that. Post. Are said, you saying oh, yeah. stop? Is it? No, I didn't. I just literally said that if you're if you're following me to go on those sites or you're reading those sites, just unfollow me because it okay. really never bothered me whether I okay. had okay. thirty thousand or three thousand. Okay. You know what I and, mean? And now we know they're anonymous, right? Are they? Yeah. Are they from Cork? These people? Oh, one hundred percent. Because nobody would have known that I was okay. walking down the street. Are they? You know? um, are they a combination of male and female? I'm unsure because I haven't gone on and I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't, I, I don't know. You don't get a sense, that. do you? No, and I suppose, uh, look, I would say female. That was what my gut would be. Um, but at the same time, like, as I said, it doesn't actually bother me what they're saying because I know it's okay. all untrue, it's incorrect. I looked at it's one of them, so. I looked at one of these sites uh, yesterday afternoon. I have to say, I did see some horrid things on it, but I must say that I did see people standing up for you I did there are other bloggers and influencers who are being ripped apart as well and oh, I, did, I did but I did see people come to their defence and they do and this is it like I suppose as, as and I think I spoke on I think I'm always on to you now right? but I think I spoke to you a couple of, like a couple of years back when I'd only kind of started out and you know there was someone on the radio that said to me you know for if 1% of your followers are targeting you, which for me would be 36 people. Like, that's minimal. Like, that's not a lot. And it's not. And as I said, I don't, like, if people... No, but a lot of people were saying, you don't know her, not you, but other bloggers. Yeah. Uh, they, they, were, they were quite defensive and, you know, looking for balance and fairness. And there were, there were some people who were saying, listen, this isn't right behaving. I don't know what they were doing on the site in the first place because it's primarily there to rip people to apart. Them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now, are there other bloggers and influencers suffering? There is. Like, like I know poor Shannon, she's big C me and Shannon and y'all was um targeted. Julie Twins and Me has been targeted. I know um Just Jordan has been targeted. And then I know up the country like And has Just Jordan has she spoken about it? Yeah, she did briefly speak about it last week. I think she was just after her son and she briefly spoke about it and you know, like at the end of did the Did it day, upset her? Oh, it did, yeah. Yeah, you could see in her post like, that it upset her. And I just feel like, like, it's not that it doesn't upset me. I'm just gone to a stage where I'm like, I can't change your opinion of me. I don't want to change your opinion of me. I don't want to change anyone's opinion. And if you just don't like someone, just don't watch it. Don't watch it. What's the point? Why would you bother? Why would you even bother? Like, if you don't agree with someone doing what they're doing, let them at it. And, and leave it be, you know. But obviously, if you're going to that extent, like there was one comment, I think, um, my brother-in-law said on that page that was like, wait a second, I'm just grabbing a cup of tea before they started. Like, that's insane. Like, like Oh, I want to get stuck in, but I want my cup of yeah, tea. So I can, <laughs> yeah, yeah. get my cup of tea it's first. It's like, it, it kind of reminded me sometimes as if I was reading, you know, um, like a chat group about, um, uh, say, for instance, a sitcom or... A soap, a soap on television, you know, the lives of people and so, which are fake lives, like. Uh, yeah, are, are, and it's, you know, it's just, I think they want, to, they want, to, like, as I said, people love a bit of gossip, but they want all these things to be true. And I'm like, none of them are true. I'm like, none of them are true, but I'm not going to come out and go, like, make a list of things that they've said and, and defend myself because I know who I am and I know the truth. And those close to me, no, my nearest, my friends, they do know, you know I, what I mean? So. I don't think it's a, a clever thing to react. No, no. And I think I handled it quite well in the way like that. I wrote the blog post and I said, 
simply on follow. I explained where I was coming from as in a person and I left it at that. You know, even the coming up to someone and saying, oh, geez, Sarah was deaf for what they wrote and it's vile. And I'm like, I understand that, but you're reading it and it's driving traffic there. And also, please sense. don't tell me about it. Please yeah. <laughs> don't tell me because I don't want to know. Like, I really yeah. don't, you know. Yeah, I mean, so hopefully people understand that you know I understand people would be like oh I'm allergic to her or she annoys me or she's like people always say that I say um loads of times which I do it's just how I am <laughs> which just don't follow me like don't like simple as there's no no one says you have to follow Sim- you say and simple just, as somebody says shut it all down and take your life back yeah and you know what as I said last week we were out as a family and my mom and dad had a kind of chat with me about it and I said you know what I would, but I just feel like that's not even not a net and them win, but I love... Well, you are Instagram. actually, you're giving into yeah, it. Yeah, but I love my Instagram and I love that I'm able to share bits and pieces. Now, I won't lie, I used to share a lot more, I don't share as much, but even since February, I didn't come on and state like, you know, even there was a comment that I put my whole um, my whole relationship and everything, you know, with Luke's dad up there as well. I have never spoken badly of him or anyone on that on my Instagram because I don't put it up there. But again, they like to take that and make it out that I am. And then, of course, then you're getting back various people saying, why are you saying this and that? And I'm like, I haven't said anything. I suppose for, for horrid people, the anonymity of that online world gives them a perfect opportunity to be what they are, horrid. Yeah. And how, you know, would, you, and how would you change it if you could? If I could, and I, I thought about this the other day, I thought about doing the petition and, and you know, going forward and, and, as I said, power numbers and get everyone on board. But I just feel like, me, that's fantastic. And we, we'd get that. I know I know in my gut that I'd succeed at that because I'm, I'm, like, I'm a grafter. I, I know I could do it. I know I know I could. But they're only going to set up another one. And this is what's happening is that it keeps on happening. So something has to happen with the law that states that, you know, you can't. I spoke to the, the, the guards about this, like, um, you know, just asking kind of where do I stand with it? And they were like, you can, you can do nothing about it. Like, there's nothing you can do. And do about other it. countries have law? Isn't there Coco's law? Coke, exactly. Like, I and I was looking at that. There is Coco's law, but I just, I suppose, look. She took her own life at the age of 21, suffering over three years of relentless bullying online and in person. Yeah, and like, I've been there. I've been, oh, my little fella's laughing. One second, look. Um, I've been there, like, in the whole bully, getting bullied, and I would never want anyone to feel how I felt and how low I felt at that time in my life because I've been bullied because of my size and because of what people said. And at the end of the day, whether you type it or you say it, you can't take back what you say. The only thing I can say with, with any amount of experience of this is that if you're in the public eye, you're open to all sorts. Some of it is of yeah. your own volition, some of it is unfair. But it, uh, it, it you know, this is horrid and it's hate. But, it, exactly. but unfortunately, all too often in the world we live in now, I have to tell you, Sarah, I'm at this year's, it comes with the territory. It does. And, you know, that's what I said the other day. So I'm not shutting this down. I said, I'm not getting rid of it. I said, I built it too long. And as I said, Neil, like, it's, it's not that it's a job, you know, because I have my job. This is literally a hobby. And I've connected with so many people over right. the years that, you know, some have become friends with. I know. So I don't want to shut it, would it be down. Awful I don't to give want to get rid them. of it. Okay. Yeah. It would be awful to give. So is it your plea then finally for people to stop, to unfollow and be kind? Yeah, just stop going on it. You know, like when when Caroline Flack, the whole thing happened with Caroline Flack, the whole world was like, be kind, be kind. And then I think like two months later, everyone just forgot about it. And this is something that happened. And we know that Caroline Flack was driven over the edge because of bullying and commentary on the online forums and the impending trial. She couldn't bear with the reaction of the public. 
and that's awful like that is absolutely terrible and like I just feel like you know we I think as a society we have that thing where we like you know when something happens we're all about it and then the next the way I'll put it to you it's like if someone passes away you have everyone around you and then a week later you're on your own and you're dealing with the grief and I feel like that's kind of a similar thing that when you're being you know when this is happening or if something had happened God forbid to me or if I wasn't strong enough as I am you know everyone would be on about it for a week or two and then it would be forgotten about and then in two months time it starts and someone else gets targeted and I just feel like please take a step back and realise that if it was your dad that they were talking about if it was your sister or if it was your cousin or if it was someone you know we all have we all have things in our life we all have family we all everyone has issues in their family fair game so with you then just finally there's 47 pages of vile content about you right yeah. How many different people are they on? On are they after? I haven't been on. Oh, on 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 mine. Yeah. No. How many different bloggers and and Instagrammers and influencers are they having a go at on this on one particular? Like, from what I know, like there's at least eight or nine. Like I know Eva Devlin completely shut hers down. Like she's Dublin based. She cut her. She, like she shut hers completely down. Um, whether she ever comes back on line is another thing. But she's completely gone from it for weeks now. Um and. I know that in Cork they've targeted, like Julie's been targeted. I know that Shannon has been targeted. Um, I know that Lisa Jordan has been targeted. There's been a good few Trisha's transformation. They've all been targeted. But I suppose. Trisha's transformation. I mean, one of the most inspiring people that you'll ever come across. She's unreal. Like, she's unbelievable. And I just feel like people are so quick to judge, jump the gun, give their opinion. And that's fine. But your opinion is that's not giving an opinion. Like, that's. And that's what I want people to understand is that I'm open for criticism. I'm open for someone to say to me, Sarah. I don't agree with that. That's fine. But this is someone hiding behind the screen, absolutely tearing fam- people and their families to bits and pieces. And that's Big money to be made in that game, though. I know Fault Ireland spent a lot of money, I'm told, um, um, with uh, bloggers and influencers trying to get them to go on holidays all over Ireland and, you know, giving them all sorts of different things. And, uh, I you know. No, but I mean, if, if, if you, I don't know, like, how many, how many people has Lisa Jordan following? She's kind of, she's kind of a oh, she's, super, she's, she's a super new. influence. She's, she's in a, yeah, she's like, she's hitting 200, over 200,000, I think. I'm not too sure. Now, I, I, so it I becomes a big don't. income stream then. So people then have less sympathy for somebody with a huge income stream, I suppose. Yeah, and I think like, you know, at the same time, as I say to people, you know, when they say to me, oh, she's brand ambassador, I still pay tax on it. Like everything has to go through my accountant. So I don't, yeah. it's not that I get the money and it goes in my pocket and it's happy days. Like anything that I earn from Instagram, it goes right through my accountant just the way that my money does when I earn it for my business. Yeah. You know, like there's no, like you're still paying tax and then it's still a job. And actually um, another cork girl, Kira Allen, she opens a company, Love Green. So it's basically a, a website for Irish companies, which is fantastic during COVID. And she spoke out about the other day, like how, you know, some people are okay for like other bloggers to do it because for certain campaigns to get paid for it, but they're not okay with with, you know, your regular Joe Soap getting paid for something. Okay, okay. She came across fantastic with it. Okay, so the point yeah. here is stop. Don't follow. Stop. Just don't And Pat Phelan said there recently uh, on his pages, if I find anybody following these nasty sites, I'm going to block it. Yeah, and I feel the exact same way. And I suppose right. what I would say to people is the, the less time you give to those websites, the less people. Like, I would assume that it would be five, ten people that are in this kind of, like, gang that write on it. Let them to it. Let them at it. Don't get involved in it. And I always say, if you want to ask me something about my life or something that, you know, you might question, just ask me. Yeah, but imagine if everybody anyway. had to give a passport number or a PPS number before they could start that kind of carry-on. Exactly, be, exactly. Yeah, there'd be no cyberbullying exactly. at all then. So there wouldn't it wouldn't happen. No, it wouldn't right. happen. Okay. Listen, I, I catch up 
up with texts after the break. Mind yourself, Sarah. Thanks for sharing. Right, Very brave. Appreciate it. Bye. Sarah bye. Burke, fat and flab to fit and fab. Back after the break. Text 0868104106. A lot of texts on this. Back in a minute. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. Trolling is a sport. It's all about trying to get reactions, says Paddy. It's an interesting one here, actually. As my old grandmother, Nellie, you would say... As my old grandmother Nelly would say, stick your bare arse out the window and someone is bound to give it a smack. There's a lot of sense in your old grandmother Nelly. Uh, thank you for that one, Paul. Um, social media is a bad environment, full stop. It's certainly not good for my mental health, says Amanda. Lorraine says, I've known Sarah for years. She's been getting an awful time online from trolls and bullies. She's doing her best and is doing a fab job as a consultant. That's so awful for Sarah. She's inspirational, and her family are a beautiful family. They're just salt-of-the-earth people. Why are people such a-holes? What are they getting from it? We were told as kids that sticks and stones will break your bones, but these are adults. I wish you luck, you and your family. Uh, Don't know this girl, but she should just come off Instagram if she doesn't like people's posts. Um, Yeah, uh, you know. Are you not giving in then? Are you not kind of surrendering? Are you not saying you win? I hold my hands up. I'm going to leave. All right. There are more texts than that, which we're pulling in now. And we'll get back to them throughout the course of the morning. But right now, of course, it's all about anonymity. When you can do these things anonymously, you know, that's when it's not a fair fight. It's not, I mean, to call it a fight isn't probably the right analogy to use. But, you know, that's not a fair sport, even if it was a sport in the first place. You got, you're taking on somebody who's got a hand tied behind their back because you're anonymous. Nobody sees you coming. Nobody knows who you are. You want to fight? Face to face, you know. Come out and let us know who you are. So thank you for those texts. We'll come back to more again between now and quitting time this morning. Uh, with regards to all of the drama in restaurants and pubs and what have you, I was at a drive through takeaway yesterday. As I went to pay, the card machine wasn't working. This is how crazy it can be. Uh, I was told go to an ATM and come in the main door to pay. As I paid for my food, uh, as I paid... Went to the ATM, got the cash paid. As I paid, my food was given to a different car. Then the staff member ran out, stopped the car, got the food back, and then tried to give me the food. I told him, there's no way I'm taking the food that was in another car. I have two babies in the car, etc. I asked for new food, and the manager got thick with me. I was so angry, but I was right to be, says Alan. Well, you know something? You did the right thing. You know, these are the things you need to mind. Um, We are in a world obsessed with blaming anyone or anything or anyone else. Can you or your listener genuinely say that to wash your hands and sanitize your hands, wear a face covering and keep your distance from all people you know and you stay two meters away from them? If you honestly, even deep, if you, if you, if you're honest, even deep down, you know you are not doing these things, uh, no matter what advice and rules the government and doctors and scientists are giving out. So we all need to change our ways or the disease will be here until a vaccine, vaccine is. If you still want to blame anything other than yourself, then blame the virus. Okay. Uh, it's kind of like a bit of a roadmap to get through that text. You're asking me and others, do we wash our hands? Do we sanitize? Do we wear face coverings when we, when we were supposed to? Do we distance from people? Um, yeah. I mean, I do. Like, I mean, I do distance myself from people, strangers, people I don't know. Uh, do I wear a face covering when I go into, yeah, I do. Do I wash my hands as often as you? Probably not. But I do sanitize an awful lot. I mean, you know, like 20, 30, 40 times a day, every time I go in and out of a, the studio, all, all this kind of stuff. Uh, could we do more? Absolutely. But um, do I believe that most people are doing the best they can? Yeah. 
Could we do a little bit better? Who couldn't in any way of life? Hi, I'm getting fed up with all these old people asking young people to make sacrifices. They're the ones that ruined the world for the young people. Morning, I'm 70 myself. I have a plea to leave young people alone. They've lost their summer. They've lost their schools. They can't meet their friends. They need to be left alone now. The older people need to mind themselves. We had our great summer, so we shouldn't be selfish. We should just avoid the places where young people are and look after what we can look after. Children now at this stage need to be out and about and young people need to have their fun. And that's from Dennis, who's 70 years old. By text to 0868104106. Back to the phone lines we go. I'm trying to mix it up as best I can. Um, and this isn't unrelated, actually, with regards to... Uh, it's not online, but it's a form of information sharing. Uh, they could have GDPR aspects to it, or at least Mark believes so. Um, have you got a... Morning, Mark. Good morning. Morning, Neil. How have, are you? have you got a particular movement or organisation? I do so basically, just to give you a brief outline, I set up the Cork Motors movement about a month ago. What's it about? So basically what it's about is just ensuring that, for example, like we see a lot of changes to our city at the moment and like the reimagining Cork document and like even the the plan for the transport of our city for the next 20 years, the, the transport 2040 document. So the reason I set it up was just to ensure that motorists interests are actually heard um, when decisions are made about transport in our city because like we see a lot of very important decisions and a lot of lobbying as well on social media and online of the city council and of elected officials. So I just felt that a bit of balance um, on the social media aspect of it was needed. Okay, in fairness you know, you went 30 seconds there and you never mentioned a cyclist or a bike, so fair play. Um, well, to be honest, Neil, I, to, to be honest, any time you mention a cyclist or a bike, the first thing that will come back at you is that you're anti-cyclist. <laughs> uh, so, like, I, I try not to mention it. I do mention it because, like, cycling is a form of transport, so it is very relevant to the conversation. But uh, what I found particularly on social media, and, like, I would quantify it by social media is not really an accurate representation of what the vast majority of people think because as you said earlier it's very easy to anonymize yourself and kind of pick fights with people on social yeah, media yeah it is that wild west world that for many yeah. it's best to stay away from but what's the story with photographs well, see, what we see a lot of on social media, and I think, to be honest, I think some people are actually more interested in building a profile of themselves as social media influencers than as they are about road safety. Like, for example, if you go to a red light, like, let's face it, none of us are perfect when we're driving our cars. None of us are perfect. Like, do you really expect then if you go to a red light that someone on the street is going to take a photo of you and put it on Twitter for everyone to kind of have a kind of a courtroom <laughs> Do they situation? do that? They do, they do, absolutely. And like, I, I've seen, what we've seen in particular is people having dash cam footage and it's not motorists using these footage either, by the way, and uploading those videos to social media. Now, I, I just do want to quantify it a small bit. I'm not excusing any bad behaviour on the roads. In fact, I'm condemning it. There's no excuse of bad behaviour. But like, if you park on a footpath, which you shouldn't do, or if you run a red light, or if you overtake a, a, a pedestrian or a cyclist in a dangerous fashion that's a matter for the Gardaí and the council not Twitter uh, not so sure about that Mark not so sure about that it's all our responsibility as uh, it is. you know not just as motorists but as human beings to look after each it other is. mind each other and call people out when, they, when they're being reckless or dangerous but I suppose what I would say to you is 
example, if you have been reckless or dangerous, for example, um, or if anybody has, does that give that person the right to upload your face, your car and your registration number to Twitter? Right? I'm not so sure that it does. Okay, so it's more than the car reg or the incident. How do they get your face as well? Well, some of them do. Not everyone does. Like I have in the past, I have a dash cam and I see crazy things. I haven't done much of it. I haven't done much of it at late. Um, But Mm. in the past, I've put up um, really reckless driving, you know, Mm -hmm. overtaking on from inside lanes, people coming up hard shoulders, cutting across three dual car, three lanes of a dual car. I've put that up online. Am I wrong? Well, I would wonder, maybe you're not wrong, maybe you are. No, if I'm wrong, tell me all right. It's your opinion I'm interested in. I, I would think you are wrong because I would wonder a lot of in a lot of cases where people put up those videos, are they interested in rectification or just revenge? Do you know, is it that I caught you out? No, I caught you doing it. I caught you doing something. Well, no, my motivation was these are the crazy drivers that you'll come across from time to time. That's all. Yeah. You know. Okay. Well, to be fair, like the Gardaí and RSA, to be fair to them, they do put up instances of people speeding on motorways, people driving without tax or whatever various road offences. But to be fair to them, they block out the licence plates of cars and vans and buses and lorries and whoever. They don't, you can't identify anybody from their social media. So light bre- people who break red lights are dangerous drivers shouldn't yeah. be publicly shamed, even though they probably are entitled to some kind of criticism. Well, I don't think they should be publicly shamed because realistically, the person who broke that red light or the person who passed in that footpath, are they ever really going to see that photo on Twitter? They're probably not. But if they're never going to see it, where's the harm in it? Well, if they're never going to see it, they'll never be able to defend themselves either. And I'm not saying that you can defend bad driving bus or parking on the footpath, but like... I, I wouldn't be comfortable if someone was going around posting online about me without my knowledge. And I has it ever led are. to trolling of an individual who was snapped or videoed or damaged to their vehicle at a later time, anything like that? I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't know. To be honest, I, I'm not entirely certain, but all I can tell you is that any time I've, or any time people that follow the Twitter page that I've set up have highlighted that maybe you shouldn't be kind of posting these online, go to the guard. We're accused of being trolls. I'm actually used to being trolls. And that's why very early on I decided to identify myself because it saves all that hassle. If I if I am trolling, which I'm not, then why would I really give my real name? So I I think there's a lot of trolling going on and I think any time that you post about why there shouldn't be a certain cycle lane here or why how it could be better elsewhere, you're just accused of maintaining a privilege and of being anti-cyclist and I find with a lot of the commentary online anytime that you bring up these matters about how certain streets should be accessible to some you, it just becomes a competition very quickly of who does the most wrong Well someone might call that democracy at work I don't know you know having uh, Maybe it is ha- Maybe having... it is but I suppose it, it might be democracy at work but it's also democracy for someone to call it out you know um, in that like, for example, I, I haven't mentioned once any bad behaviour about other road users. Like, we all jaywalk, we all walk, we all cross the street when the red man, or when the red man is showing, if we think, OK, there's nobody coming, I'll cross here. That's probably dangerous too, but I haven't called out bad behaviour on other users. But if we want to go around the city trying to find bad behaviour by people, like... People share videos of everything, though. I mean, like it, much more, much more serious stuff than. Uh, well, I'm not saying 
let me rewind there breaking a red light is serious but we see assaults yeah. being videoed we when do. people probably should be intervening we see people being beaten up and what have you people send me mm-hmm. some, some people including friends of mine very strange taste they send me awful videos I don't know why and I, half the time yeah. I don't know until I've actually opened them carnage like real butchery stuff mm. awful yeah. but you know so like all of that gets shared you know people just think that you know that that's what it's there for and it isn't necessarily you know when you say okay you know calling out or reporting people who take photographs of people breaking yeah. red lights or whatever yeah. and that's wrong um, we're back to the age old question what, what if you see somebody who's um, it's not necessarily a photograph but if you see a motorist, for instance, um, stumbling or clearly drunk getting into a car and driving it, should yeah. one take a photograph then or a video then, share that, call the guards or mind your own business? I'd call the guards straight away. I'd call the guards. Um, like, I don't think taking a photo or taking a video of it would achieve anything. In fact, it will just delay your calling the guards. Then, sure, if you would it not be? Guard, but I'm just wondering, would it not be evidence if, say, for instance, the guards couldn't intercept but could prosecute at a later time? Very good point. You could take a video of it or take a photo of it, absolutely. But don't share it publicly. Give it to the guards as evidence. Use it that way. Like, I don't understand the purpose of putting it on social media. For example, if you have sent it to the council or if you have sent it to the guards, is that not enough? Do you really need to shame the person? I don't know about it's shaming. I have seen, I've seen some mm. Instagram posts, numerous of them yeah. put together of Cork's worst parking. Uh, yes. I, I, I find them interesting. I might even say I find them entertaining. Well, I don't think the people who are posting them... But that's their problem, people. pal. They just oh, yeah. parked in a stupid place. Oh, I know, but I'm just saying I think the people who are actually posting it on Instagram, the bad parking cork group or whatever they're called, I don't think they're putting it up for people's entertainment. I think I would hope they're not putting it up for people's entertainment. But if we all have more and more photographs of people who just abandon their cars or use two lanes where one would do to park a car in a supermarket or whatever, would it not, would it not help to stamp out that stupidity? Well, what will stamp it out is if the council starts enforcing parking regulations properly. And we've seen, and we saw a couple of weeks ago as well, a report in the paper that enforcement of dog littering, for example, there's been how many funds this decade or the last decade was something like 27. So council enforcement of regulations regarding litter and car parking is is probably non-existent. I think in 27 years there was two, I think. I think that's what it was. And that's the ridiculous thing about it. Like, their enforcement of local regulations. Of, like, obviously, you can't park on the footpath. But posting that photo on social media isn't going to make that person not park on the footpath. It used, used to be a great city when you can tow those cars away, but that bylaw is gone now. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Those cars should be t- towed away. And it probably cost the city money in the end, having to send out a tow truck. And the fine probably wasn't worth the fee that they were... That they were actually perhaps, yeah, that's, okay. That's for that's perhaps for another day. So there is a movement that can people can follow online. Is the Cork Motorist Movement? Absolutely. But what our main focus is, like this is just one of the issues that I, I, we've decided to talk about. But our main focus is is that like we're going to see a lot of changes in our city in the next twenty years about how we move around. And what we're saying is we want alternatives to motoring before our city centre becomes inhospitable to motorists because there's a lot of people using our city on a daily right. basis that don't live in the city. There's just, I know, yeah, but there's got to be a better way than somebody bringing in a car with only one person sitting in it, parking it up for eight hours and then going back. And I know we're supposedly getting some form of a Lewis and 
Oh, I can't wait. You know something? I can't wait for an autonomous car. I'd love to have one of those where the car will bring me to work or whatever and then go home. Yeah, it'd be great, it really would. And being honest, like I work in the city centre, I don't drive into the city centre because it's too stressful. You're sitting, you're, you're spending half your day commuting in and commuting out. I, 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 I would definitely not bring my car into the city, but like we've seen it, and I, a few councillors have mentioned this as well, that the north side is kind of being forgotten about in a lot of these plans, like the Lewis won't go near the north side. We've heard about train stations in Blackpool and Blarney for 20 years, and they've just been re-released under the guise of a different report. Well, that is true, that Lewis won't go north of the river, you're right there. Okay, I'm getting some texts on this one. One I'll leave you with, um, uh, where's it gone there? Jace, anyone who risks people's lives on the road needs to be shamed because they're dangerous. Is this guy for real? The guards won't do anything, so the public have to shame them. Well, I suppose, what can the public do? Are they suggesting that you actually go up to someone who does it and confront them? Because, like, I'm not defending this, but there's some people on the road, even if you blow the horn at them, you'll get a reaction that's far worse than what you've done. Correct. Okay, leave it at that. Appreciate it, Mark. Good luck with the movement. Cork Mark, Cork Motorist Movement. Text 0868104106. we got calls on the way. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Okay, um, uh, come back to some texts in a few minutes' time and then lots more tomorrow, hopefully, in emails as well. But Desi, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you doing? I'm good. On the, on, on the online world, are you active online? No, okay. no. Okay. Um, what I was going to say, uh, it's just this... this criticism as being a man I just don't get it, don't understand it. The criticism of women against yes, women. Women towards other women. You know, we started off here with your mom going back to work in her size 8 jeans and saying that other women were just out showing off their buggies and they wanted to just have coffee. That and was about a month back. It was, she she yes. was having a go yes. at um, Women, um, babies, the fashion statement. Look at me, I got back yeah. into my Cezzy jeans. She was having a go then at breastfeeding and things yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, and then there was the breastfeeding and then there was the hair and there's the criticism of me. And I, I just don't get it why women have to constantly criticise each other. You know, everybody's an individual. Everybody's different. We all like different things. Women like different buggies. They like different colours. You seldom hear positivity coming from the women fraternity. So you were, but you were assuming that all of these trolls and bullies online are women then, are you? Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong to do that, but it seems to be... But it, it seems to me when they come on your programme, it's women... Against other women, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. hundred percent. I do. I know what you mean. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not sure that we could say categorically that it is all women who are doing the trolling and the bullying on these hate sites. Don't know. I, but but it just seems to be like a constant. But are you saying that? Are you saying that men other. that men don't do these kind of things? Is it? Not as much. Maybe over football or something like this here, you would hear it. But not about the way they dress and the way... That men don't fixate about size 8 jeans or um, their hair, their weight, their makeup. uh, No. Nothing like that. You don't hear... They they do their own Why would men? There's some men men go in and get their hair, their nails or everything done. But I've I've never heard another man coming on and criticising a man. So men don't criticise other men's shape or size or weight, but women do. 
They do. They do surely. Okay. okay. It's, it seems to be sort of constantly going on. And, and on that basis, do you say that then women have no one to blame but themselves? Yes. Yes, they're bring, a lot of it bring on themselves. Like how many women are on social media just for the sake of having a go at another woman about something they run them down. You know, you hear it, you see it all the time. You know, I, I heard a woman pass a comment about uh, there's some women there and they should be wearing, the, it's a good job the masks came out because they look better. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I, I don't know, I just, could they not just leave each other alone yeah. And, yeah. and we're all individuals? Well, it would be a wonderful world if, if there was no anonymity online, you see. Uh, you know. Yes. Yes, I think that that is. And somebody came out earlier and said that you would have to give your PPS number. No, no, I, I was suggesting, could you imagine if you had to give your... Here. If Imagine if you had to give some form of documentation before you were able to go online. Yeah, but I, th- I think the internet is the greatest thing ever invented. I also think it's the worst thing that was ever invented. Okay, I'll be returning to this again in the morning, but thank you, Desi. Do appreciate it. Pick up the phone on one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. If you have a story to tell, uh, then email neil at redfm.ie. Uh, earlier in the week, I was, I'm, I'm not going to say criticised, but I, it was certainly brought to my attention that we needed to be accentuating the positive a little bit more with regards to restaurants, bars and cafes that are actually doing a great job because I'm chapter and verse with those that were um, getting it all wrong. Uh, so with that in mind, here's some more for you. Julie says, the corn store are fantastic when we went in there. All the guidelines are here too. The staff are brilliant. The glass partitions inside are so well done, it's a credit to them. Everybody will feel happy and safe. The elm trees outstanding all through these hard times. It was a takeaway when everything was closed. Now it's open. Fabulous service. The Trade House, John O's in Douglas, very comfortable inside. It's well done and well spaced out. They had great service. The Silver Key is well organised. Top notch by the Mallow General Hospital. I had surgery last Wednesday and the place was gleaming. I felt very safe. A sincere thank you to all of the staff. I don't know your name, uh, Texter, but boy, you've been out and about doing a fair amount of eating, in fairness here. Uh, the places that are open that I've been to have been excellent, says Mary. Time in the Imperial have a great system going. The customer care is excellent. I was up in the Old Bank Cafe in Mayfield on Saturday for a coffee. Screens were set up between the seating area. All of the staff wearing masks and shields. Aidan says, the Court Mac Sherry Hotel, the Golden Pheasant Cafe in Court Mac, all the staff in both places, amazing job. The South County, says Catherine, brilliant service, fab food, friendly staff. Murphy's Rock, says Elaine, brilliant. I've been there a few times since the restrictions are in place. The food, the service, the staff, amazing. Keep up the good work. Ma'am Murphy's in Bantry are doing a great job. Wharton's amazing chipper, also a great job. The Snug and the Bakehouse, all done west. Sue says, Spice and Carrigaline, doing a fabulous job. Quinlan's Bar and Blackpool, the lads are doing an excellent job. The food is always great. Great social distancing, table service. I feel safe. Uh, the places I've had an excellent experience so far have been Sober Lane, Unbrogue and Clancy's. Each venue, well managed, ran as a tight ship. It's all about atmosphere for me. And I thought they were the closest thing to being back to normal, but within restrictions. The staff are credit. I must say they ran off their feet at times, but the smiles on their faces nonstop. How do you know? How do you know they're smiling? I suppose they have visors on. That's the one thing, though. You don't know whether somebody's scowling at you or smiling at you. Uh, the Briar Rose in Douglas and the Mount Oval Bar. Staff are fantastic, says Annie. Down west, it would be Nolan's in Ross Carberry. Deborah says the Toman Bar, Marlborough Street. Ray Kennedy 
and his amazing team of staff running the place fantastically. I haven't seen Ray Kennedy in a long, long time. We grew up together and palled together a long time back. Morning, Ray. Alison says, Reardon's a great setup since the very beginning and spotlessly clean. The Lock Cafe, says Aoife, and just one or two more. Maria says, just home from Quinlan's Seafood Bar. The food's amazing. The table setup is great. There's reams of them. I'll just read out some of the other ones, if you don't mind. The Bodega, the Raven, the Beer Garden, um, uh, Mahoney's Bar in Neusestown, the, Cla- the Castle in Glanmire, Burnt Pizza, Choices Cafe Mallow, the Wild Goose in Mallow, Tony's on the North Main Street, the Old Triangle in McCroom, Luigi Malone's in the Woodford, the Gallery Barn Restaurant, District 11 in Glanmire, the Courtyard in Clon, Arthur Mains have nailed it, uh, Cap- uh, Cafe Carpe Diem, and the curry leaf in Carrigaline. Eco's in Douglas. Oh, is, we, is Eco's open? Oh my God, I didn't know. Gotta go. Paddy the Farmers, Dwyer's, the Coffee Pot in Yall, Leonardo's in Middleton, Hannah Bonds, the Titanic Bar and Grill in Cove, the Copper Grove in Bandon, and finally Seasons Cafe at Atkins Garden Centre are brilliant. So, I hope that that has gone some way to accentuate the positive for you. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850 Red FM. Okay, uh, I'm not a blogger. I'm not an influencer. I don't take money or cash for anything, but I am endeavoring to help businesses and I have gathered amount of vouchers for different establishments and I'm sharing them and giving them away on my Instagram page. We started yesterday and we'll continue to roll them out on my Instagram page at the Neil Prenderville Instagram page over the coming weeks should you choose to avail of them. Um, just one or two little bits of housekeeping before I go. I spoke to Mark earlier on about the sad and tragic death of his wife at the age of 50 from a blood clot and the issues having with his insurance policy uh, and uh, Irish Life. We called Irish Life on his behalf. He was on the air with me and there's an update since. Mark, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay, what's happened? Um, they, uh, about a half an hour after getting off yourself, they emailed me explaining what was going on that it takes five months, it took five months for her medical reports to get to, uh, to Irish Life. And another couple of months then to assess it, and they had to assess different parts of the claim and that. So they will be in contact with me on the 28th of this month, which is Friday week, I think. So are you expecting this to be resolved and finalised on the 28th of the month? Yeah. Good. Well, hopefully Good. somewhere close to being finalised, because I said they will give, they will ring me. It's it's actually close being finalised at Good. the moment. Well, at least they got in touch with yeah. you this morning, updated you. No, I wouldn't have got that. Uh, but that's what we're you. here for. So it's been expedited this morning, and that's great news. Delighted yeah. for you, Mark. Brilliant. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Cheers, man. my friend. Come back to me when it's all finalised and everything is sorted. Right. Before I love you and leave you, Lisa, very quickly, what have you got? Some very famous footballer. Football, is it? Hi, Neil. Yeah, we do. Um, we um, have assigned football um, um, from the 1993 soccer match between Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland. Um, the ball was given to us. We actually um, auctioned it. Um, Saint, sorry, I work in St. Luke's home and we auctioned this football off back in 93 and the lady who bought it back then for £347 gave it back to us because, um, you know, during the pandemic we couldn't fundraise. So she gave us the ball back. So now we're raffling it off for a tenner ticket. Okay. How much do you expect to make on it? Well, at the moment, we have the page set up that we'd hoped to raise a thousand euro, but um, we hit a thousand last night, so now I'm after changing the target for two thousand. <laughs> you're dead right. <laughs> when you're in for a penny, go in for a pound. And that's kind, exactly. almost kind of back in the Irish soccer glory days, 1993. So, oh, absolutely, uh, yeah. Must, ha- must have for some, so- for some soccer fan. Okay, and the proceeds going to St. Luke's, Luke's Home in Mahan. How can people buy a ticket and when's the raffle? 
um, the raffle is on the 14th of September. We're kind of allowed ourselves a month to sell tickets and they can go on to our Facebook page at St. Luke's um, Charity and Home and all the links are on there or on our Instagram or on our Twitter. Okay. Oh, and it's not just the ball, Neil. We actually got the match programme as well. And the goal scorer, I think. Yeah, we have a photograph, signed um, autograph uh, picture that Alan McLaughlin sent us, and we have the match program as well that my father-in-law actually had That's from brilliant. the game. Okay, yep. okay, brilliant. Yeah, Anything yeah. to help St Luke's home? Where where can they get just one more time? Where can you buy a raffle ticket? Um, on our Facebook page, or it's um, St Luke's Charity and Home, and there's an I donate page on there, and it's on our Twitter and our Instagram page too. Good stuff. Happy to help. Thank you, Lisa. Have a good Bye. day. Yeah. Okay, young entrepreneur called Alan Minahan got in touch with me yesterday. He's a young entrepreneur on Lee side who's come up with his own idea. It's called Docs in a Box. D-O-X in a Box. He's a young lad and in that box is a COVID-19 box with everything you need. Disposable masks, sanitizers, uh, face wipes, hand wipes um, and he will deliver free. He has uh, kindly agreed to allow me to give away three of his Docs in a Box and soon he's going to roll out a back to school box for kids as well. The idea is to have all of the boxes offered on a subscription basis at nineteen ninety nine a month. If you choose to avail of them or get further details, his company is called Docs in a Box Ireland D-O-X in a Box Ireland dot com. Good idea. You can buy them in uh, the uh, O'Driscoll's in Bannanock and Clifford's Daybreak on the College Road. And I'll give three of them away now. We will take your names and addresses, send them to Alan. He will then post you out the Docs in a Box kit. Lines open for that on one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. We're out of time for all other business. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.